to the three blokes in the office and the millions listening around the world on the SENZ app. This show is four hours in the heavyweight sports radio division. Speaking into the blue microphone, this man bowls a stock wrong in the backyard and is a producer for the SENZ run home where Beaver's Best has a record of six wins and 58 losses. Introducing Manaya. The Manihilator, Stewart. And introducing his co-host. This man is a left-arm fast bowler by way of F45. He's stomachy. Speaking into the red microphone. Introducing the reigning, defending, heavyweight champion of the airwaves, Mitchell 81 Savage McClanagan. <laughs> and when the action begins, your producers are Logan Swinkles and Joe Bell. It's time! That fire you up, Mitch? Right. I just want to know how many times you practiced that in front of the mirror last not, night. Not at all. I wrote that this morning when I woke up. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's just wanted so to bring good. a bit of energy. I've been so uh, low energy coming into these shows. It's, it's bright and early, mate. Seven o'clock. Yeah, last show of the year. Last show of the How year, so I'm, I'm very excited. I'm very fired up. I've got a decent break after this. You've even, uh, uh, you've even shaped the beard as well. Is it? Yeah. It's, I, think uh, I, yeah. I think I just it's slept so hard. Yeah. <laughs> I think you I look just like slept Evil so. Manaya today. <laughs> well, that's also because the lights are off in the studio again. That's how we like to start the show. I actually thoroughly enjoy it. Mitch has also cranked the uh, heater up to a million degrees in here. Yeah, we're playing first to crack. You ever played that on a road trip? No, I'm you turn the that. heater up as hot as you can. It's the first person to say, "Turn it off." Yeah, okay. Mate. And they buy the first round when you stop. I'm all in. I, we used to play the heat game on the way out to the river to go for a swim. You crank the air, the heat in the car for as hot as you can, so that when you jump out, you're re- rearing to go and ready Ooh, for a swim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. similar. Similar. Yeah, did that on the way to the pool yesterday. Went and had a swim. What about yourself, Mitch? You got out for a bit of uh, golf? I did. Um, I had my first sixty-seven yesterday. Oh wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, and then decided not to play the back nine. <laughs> no, I, I, I assume you uh, mean over 18. Or no? <laughs> no, 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 oh, no, no. Brutal. No, no. I, was, I shot a uh, uh, poor, poor man's uh, 80 around the Pakaranga. Yeah, well, yeah. That'll the happen. easiest course in Auckland. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, producer Logan actually sent through a list of the top, uh, I believe it was the top. 20, 50 golf courses in the country. Uh, the one I played on did not feature on that list. Uh, <laughs> we'll go through that a bit later on in the show. Here's what else is coming up on the show. We're going to be talking to Butch Castles. He's in charge of all the racing action uh, on New Year's Day at Tarapa. We're looking forward to that. BP, as always, joins us from the TAB. Cameron Cooper, and I'm excited about this one. He is New Zealand's mini golf champion. He is a three-time champion, back-to-back champion at mini golf. Um, I'm interested to get his thoughts on what makes a competitive mini golfer, because I think everyone thinks they're good at mini golf, don't they? I think they do. Mm-hmm. I think they do. Um, and it's what kind of style of mini golf you want, like to play as well. Do you like the sides up, or, or are you a Tiger Woods pop? Pop. I said pop smoke, didn't I? No, pop stroke is pop what it's stroke. called. Yeah. So those are the courses that look a little bit more like a normal golf course, yeah. but it's just mini golf. No, you could have the sides up. I want a T Rex. Mm. I want a bloody. Whole carnival atmosphere. I guess we talked about marking our ball yesterday uh, oh, yes. off air mm-hmm. um, and how that could take a couple of strokes off your game. Mm. I want to know if they mark their ball as well ah. in, in many part. Do you get to line up your ball or is it just... Do you just play through and then the next through, guy yeah. comes on? Mm. I don't know. That's interesting. 
do you get free ice creams on the track or do you have to pay for those? I'm, I'm very interested to find out about competitive mini golf. Um, and then we can also talk to Jessica Green, who is New Zealand's uh, women's amateur golf champion. Uh, she won the championship, what, about a month ago, I think? About a month ago, down at the Otago Golf Club. Uh, obviously down there in Dunedin. Mm-hmm. Um, I played a round of golf with her on Boxing Day. Um, very, very nice swing. Very nice swing. And can putt. Can putt. Yeah. You'd imagine. Um, did she give you any tips? Any tips that I could... Uh... Uh, <laughs> well, she lost... Well, they were three down with uh, four to play against me oh. and my mate. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, maybe I'll give her a few tips today. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, wow, Jer- you didn't like that? You thought I was just taking the piss? Well, no. No. no? I, okay. I believe she you. She is on a plus 3.8. So, you know your handicaps? Yeah. She's on a plus 3.8. Okay. That's outrageous. And that's only, she only hands in tournament cards. So every competitive round of golf in a tournament, yeah, um, that's every, her handicap's based off that. So not just her muck around uh, round with mates where she probably goes six, seven under. Yeah. Um, she only hands in tournament cards. And so, so hold on, I didn't know that you could have a handicap like that. Is it, I thought yeah. that you just stopped at zero nah. and you were just a scratch golfer nah, and that's so, it. So every time she goes out to play a round of golf, she's got to shoot four under. Far out. Just to play the handicap. What R- did you shoot yesterday in nine holes? Ridiculous hops? 48. Were you happy so, with it? Uh, I can't remember the last time I was happy, Mitch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was happy with that. Uh, there were a couple of beers going on. You know, we are just having a gas bag. It was about 30 degrees and uh, I hit eight on the first hole. So for me to salvage 48... <laughs> I, that's actually good, bro. Oh, I turned it around. A um, couple of par threes in there, which always help bring the number down a little bit. True. Yeah. Um, but no, I, what I want to know from her is the same thing I want to know from every golf-related person that comes on the show, and that is, uh, how the hell do I stop slicing it? It's out of control. <laughs> I'm on the right-hand fairway. I think if we were playing by proper rules, I'd be out of bound of every single tee. Um, so I'm looking forward to chatting to Jess Green. She'll be on at about 9.05. At 9.30, Jeremy Coney has been doing a stellar job with our commentary team commentating the Black Caps uh, versus Pakistan. He's going to join us. So I'm very excited to get his thoughts on this game. I think people have been calling it boring, I've seen on social media. A few people, you know, taking the mickey out of the, this test match in particular for being boring. I don't know if I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but I'd like to see what he thinks. Yeah, well, maybe. I guess on the back of that England series, yeah. I guess you could say it's boring. But mm-hmm. geez, um, the way he showed he batted yesterday with Kane Williamson. Yeah. Um, and big props to Shoddy. Um, Bowl poorly in the first innings to come out and bat like that. Yeah. Um, he He's put us in a position to, to win this game. To, to get a result. Which, which I didn't see at the start of yesterday. No, you were saying yesterday that most likely a draw is probably going to be the outcome and it seemed to be what they were going for. But be very interested to get uh, Jeremy Coney's thoughts on that as well. Kyle Jamieson's going to join the show. This is another one of Mitch's uh, amazing strings that he's able to pull. Um, looking forward to talking to the the big fella, finding out how the back's going. Um, and then at 10.40, we're going to talk all things tennis with Brett Phillips. Uh, he's always great. Brett Phillips is our resident SEN uh, tennis correspondent. He knows all things about tennis, so interested to get his thoughts. And I kind of want to get a vibe for where the... Because, you know, there's a bit of hype around the ASB Classic, obviously because it's about to start soon here in mm-hmm. New Zealand. But I, I'd like to get an honest opinion from him. He's an Aussie, so I think he'll give it to us. Where, where does the ASB Classic sit for these international players. The women's field in particular is incredible this year. Mm. So I'd like, you know, because it's it's sort of been billed as a bit of like a warm-up for the Oz Open or, you know, 
different different ways that they frame it. I'd like to get his thoughts on where this our tournament sits, you know, in the hierarchy. Isn't the, the court quite similar in I, terms of how it plays? I, I mean, it looks similar. That's as much as I know about <laughs> tennis. I don't know if that means it's the same. I think you could probably ask me the same thing about cricket pitches, and I'd be like, yeah, I reckon they're exactly the same. But this is why we get the experts on, isn't it? Um, so that's all coming up. We'd love your uh, interaction as well. Double eight, double three. That is the temper and bedpost text machine, or eight hundred one five zero eight eleven, which Mitch is the Kennards Hire phone line as well. We would lo- we would love to hear from you. Um, Mitch and I found a, we actually had a bit of a bonding experience this morning just before the show. We found a, a common interest, a we shared did. interest. We did, um, and that we both worked at the freezing works. In our in our past, yeah, we did. Um, I worked in the offal and and the chiller, and you're you're a boner. I'm a I'm a qualified boner. Yeah, yeah. Um, never never got into boning myself. No, oh, I should try it. Yeah, it's hard um, work. I'll were be you honest. a good boner? I got onto I got onto full share pretty quickly. Um, it ruffled a few feathers. So for those that don't know, the boner cuts the meat off the bones, mm. um, and you get paid a percentage of what the room. Uh, you know, producers in a day. You start off on sixty and work your way up in ten percent increments oh. to get from ninety to a hundred percent. Obviously, there's speed tests you have to do. You have to be able to cut three lamb legs in a minute or whatever it is that you have to do. But you also, where I was working at the time, he had to stand on the main conveyor belt and start singing a song. And by the time you got to the end of the conveyor belt, the room had to be singing with you. Otherwise, you didn't get put onto uh, full share. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's classic. Yeah. That's bloody good. Um, does your missus know that you're such a good boner? Um, look, I think how good I am or was at it, because yeah. um, I don't do it So you, anymore, you've lost your boning touch? Yeah. I guess, I mean, I haven't tried it in a while, you know? I just haven't really had the chance. Still got the well, knife. I think you've got to get back on the boning the boning train. I'll try it. I'll try it tonight. See it. See how Let us know how you go. Um, but yourself, you worked in the awful department. I did. Yeah, I didn't I, have much to do with the awful department. Yeah, um, I tried I was, to steer clear of those sort of guys. But yeah. <laughs> it's always funny how it's always right by the canteen. That's yes, the other thing we had. It common. was where I worked as so well. You go straight from the awful to to the canteen and yeah. uh, buy your lamb shanks and your, yeah. your chips for yeah chips for lunch. <laughs> yeah, some of the best lamb shanks I've ever had are, are from the X-ray abattoir. Oh mate, in the you ca- cafeteria. You don't oh. get you don't get fresher meat. And um, one of the one of the things that happened where I worked was so we had these sterilizers. Uh, you probably had them too, where you could dip your knife in and it would sterilize the knife. I think we've got the same story. And the old fellas would cut a bit of meat off and dip it in <laughs> and chuck it in there. And it I lunched. found a full kidney, a full pig's <laughs> kidney, in there one day. <laughs> but oh, I had a story. Disgusting. I had a story. Uh, this was way back, way back. That um, before they put cameras in that at this one abattoir, that there was a bloke who rode a pig in a le- leather jacket and a helmet out on the back of his bike. What? <laughs> <Out> <laughs> pig gates. He took a whole pig carcass in a leather oh. jacket and, and a hot bike helmet <laughs> on the back of his bike and took it home. So, oh, good times. Good yeah, times. that's not too bad. One of my favourite things about working there was just like there were all sorts of. Um, chants and songs and things that went along with it. Um, mm. I think that, you know, it's quite a tough job and, and people make the most of it by, you know, 
just enjoying themselves while they're doing it. The guy that was end, at the end of the main convey belt, he packed all the meat into boxes. Yep. His name was Bulldog. And if Bulldog ever got uh, snowed under, there was too much work for Bulldog, the whole room came to a halt. Yep. So when that happened, everyone's losing money. So <laughs> so at that point, the whole room is barking and going absolutely nuts, yelling out, Bulldog, Bulldog. One of the blokes would be right in his ear going, get off the couch, get off the couch, get outside. Because <laughs> Bulldog's costing us all money. Oh, bro. Hey, what a time, actually. Yeah. Uh, you do go a bit stir-crazy. I know. That's and for sure. Depending on uh, whether our bosses have listened to these last three shows or not, we might be back there next, we, next we week. We definitely could be. Hey, hey, I think we've done all right this week. Yeah. We, we're flying, actually. Well, I've thoroughly enjoyed it, and a large part of that is, again, because of your correspondence. So get in touch uh, on 8833 on the Temp and Bedpost text machine uh, or 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811 is the Kennards. Higher... Uh, phone line. We are also going to be talking a bit of American sport in the not-too-distant future, so stick with us. We're going to go to a quick break. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Mitch Imanaya for breakfast, thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Logan Swingle's back in the producer's booth, taking control of the music. Logan, we had all sorts yesterday, mate. We had all sorts. I enjoyed a couple of them. Um, Joey Bell just played the greatest hits of what he'd heard on Yui Booms at the beach the day before. Um, <laughs> there was some there were some good ones in there. But you are with uh, Mitch and Manaya for your 30th, I think it's a Friday. It is a Friday. <laughs> uh, <laughs> with you through until 11, you can call any time on the Kennards Hire phone line 0800 150 Or give us a text on the Temper Bedpost text machine. Temper and Bedpost's range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort, which is exactly what I've been doing after every show and just firing up the basketball, Mitch, because there's so many games on at the moment. You've been loving it, haven't you? I have, yeah. Yeah, you've been loving it. And, geez, was, uh, there were some cracking games yesterday. Yes. There really was. Um, we'll start with one of one of the most interesting games, and I know you've got a bit to say about mm. it. But um, Detroit played the, um, the Magic, Orlando yes. Magic. Um, Magic went down. Um, Detroit 121 to 102. Jalen Duran with 18 rebounds. Yes, but the big part of this was four ejections. Man. This is why people have a problem with Grayson. Let Allen. me tell you something. Somebody needs to give him a two-piece. I guarantee he'll stop doing that. Somebody pop him upside his head a couple times. He'll stop doing that because he's getting away with this too much. Constantly. He does this all the time. Well, that was uh, that this, was uh, Grayson from the Milwaukee, Milwaukee Bucks. Bucks. Very so, similar incident. So basically, what Grayson's just a bit chippy. But what happened in the um, Pistons Magic game was uh, Killian Hayes, who's on my fantasy team, uh, he was running for a loose ball. As he got a bit closer, uh, Franz Wagner or Mo Wagner, one of the two of them, uh, big seven-footer, bumped him into the bench. Um, pretty dangerous play because, you know, in those basketball games how close the courtside seats are. Well, old Killian Hayes didn't take too well to that. So he got up and threw a punch. You don't see people throw punches in the NBA mm. very often. because Since uh, Malice in the Palace. Which is, was at the Pistons' home <laughs> court as well. Um, they've moved the home court, uh, so it's at a different place, but... The the court announcer, very quick to say, hey, everyone just stay exactly where you are. You don't need to move. Don't go running out onto the court because we don't need another malice in the palace here uh, in Detroit. So basically the long and short of that is there were three ejections, three ejections from that game. Um, and the interesting part, so obviously the guy that threw the punch, He's going to be out. He's going to miss some games. Yep. Uh, the other two who were ejected, they'll probably miss a game each as well. 
But there's a rule in the NBA where if a fight happens and you leave your bench, instant suspension. It's the letter of the law. If you leave the bench during a scrap, you get, and, and they classify the bench as your seat. So Sheesh. So because this fight happened at the um, Detroit bench. Yeah. About, everyone had to get up and it, get out of the way. Everyone had to get up and get out of the way. So how mm. are they going to adjudicate this? Because uh, in the 2007 Western Conference Finals, not to get too inside basketball on you, that was when Steve Nash and the Suns were, were rolling. They were about to tie. Uh, they had tied the series up going into Game Five, which is a deciding game. Amari Stoudemire, he stands up off the bench. Steve Nash got bumped into the crowd. Same thing happened. Yeah. Amari Stoudemire stands up. They suspended him for the next game. Well, he's their you know second biggest star, mm. and a lot of people point to that as the reason why Steve Nash never made the finals, and doesn't have a ring. So you're saying that Orlando play Washington Wizards tomorrow? You're saying they could not field a whole team? Well. I don't think I think what's going to happen is they're going to have a bunch of dudes you've never heard of. You know, you just read out a couple of the scores there. Sadiq Bay scored like 28 points. Jalen Duran had what 18 rebounds? Yeah, 18 rebounds. Out of out, control. Outrageous. Yeah, uh, for a guy who I don't even think was on a roster um, not too long ago, mm. and that's because there's so many people out. So that is going to be very interesting. Super interesting. Um, another couple of games that were on yesterday, we had the Suns lose. They lost to the Wizards. Yeah. Um, no, uh, no, Devin Booker. No, no, that's true. Pazingas, uh, twenty-two points as well, uh, led the charge late in that game as well. Uh, the Nets got up over the Hawks, one hundred and eight to one hundred and seven. Ten in a row for the Nets. Ten in a row. And if you were on that bonus bet yesterday, <laughs> <laughs> oh, every team over a hundred. Blame um, everyone barring LeBron. LeBron still scored 27 points. The Lakers lost 112 points to 98 uh, with Butler scoring 27 as well. Bulls, Bucks, the audio you just heard before. Yep. Uh, the chippy. Bulls, yeah, the Bulls chased down the Bucks. Um, they they were fantastic, actually. Yeah. Uh, my Bulls, your Bulls. Yeah, I, I like Bulls, Bulls as well. Yeah, DeRozan with 43 points oh, as well. Um, he's in my fantasy team, too. Is easy. You yeah, love it, eh? I'm Fantasy's it. so good. Uh, Golden State, Paul tops the scoring charts, 26 points to get up over the Jazz, 112 to 107. Nuggets lost to the Kings. The Kings came back uh, from like 19 points down. Yeah, the Kings are good this year. Yeah. A lot of people are overlooking them, but they've been very good. Yeah, they, they broke the uh, five win winning streak of the Nuggets, 127 to 126. Someone had to, but the mm. Nuggets had been rolling. Have you seen what the Kings do with the beam on top of their arena? No, I haven't. So, so whenever they win, they've got this giant beam of light on the top of the arena, and as the fans are leaving, they light the beam every oh, time cool. they win. It's yeah, very cool. cool. A few other teams have started ripping it off and doing their own uh, yeah, version thing. of that. But, but I thought that was cool. But the the last one I've got for you today is mm. it's like belter of a game, absolute belter of the game. New Orleans Pelicans got up 119 to 118 over the Timberwolves. Yeah, so this game um, was probably one of the more exciting games that we've had. Um, the Pelicans are absolutely rolling. They're top of the table at the moment on 22 wins, uh, 12 losses. But Zion's high score of uh, in his career, which... He's been in the league for a wee while now, 43 points. I don't know, if you haven't watched this guy play and you don't watch a lot of basketball, if you, if you stumble across a Pelicans game, you've got to check it. Check him out. He's listed at 6'6", six six, which is tall, but for an NBA player, not ridiculous. Mm. You know, you come across a lot of cricket players are about that height. Mm -hmm. Hell, Kyle Jameson's about 7'0". He'll be on the show <laughs> later on. Uh, he's listed at 6'6". Six six. 
129 kilograms. As well. Yes, he's a beast. And he can jump out of the gym. He's half Shaq, half Barkley, half Jonah Lomu. Um, I'm on him for MVP. I think you can still get him at around the $20 mark. Oh. If he stays healthy, it's going to be uh, absolutely incredible. He scored the last 14 points of the Pelicans' win mm. on his own. Uh, he had a steal and then a bucket to pretty much take the lead and secure the game. Uh, he had 10 points at halftime and finished with 43. So that tells you what kind of second half. Uh, 33 points in the second half, tied for the most ever in a Pelicans history. Um, obviously, Anthony Davis was the other one who's done it. Who was who was the player that Kobe said um, at halftime, um, nice game, like you've played well, uh, and then ran might, away with the game, scored like 30 or 40 points I in the second half? It might have been Devin Booker. Someone, someone like that, yeah. Hilarious. Yeah, great game, and then absolutely schooled him. Um, a couple of quotes, one from uh, Zion. Uh, I watched a lot of old school players and tried to figure out what their mindsets and all their uh, mindsets were the same. People remember winners, so a big uh, issue mm. with him, obviously all the physical gifts in the world, mm. but an issue was, does he does he care? Does he want to do this? Um, I think he's answered that. And then the other one that I wanted to uh, touch on was one of his teammates saying, I think he's the MVP of our league. We're one of the best teams in the West. They're tied with the Nuggets um, now for 22 and 12 for the record. He's leading us. He put up 43 points on 21 shots. He scored the last 14. He's got to be the MVP of our league. And you can get him at 20 bucks. 20 bucks. Don't 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 tweet me or text me when that doesn't come in. But well, I'm just one for BP. That could be one for BP. Yeah, absolutely. All right, who, else, who else is in the? Uh... In the conversation, well, there. it's got to be Jokic. Um, statistically, vibe, the record, everything, mm. the way he plays, the eye test. Um, but the problem is, he's won both of the last two MVPs, and this is a fan voted thing. People get they voted, change it up. People get voter fatigue. The, it's going to be tough to vote against him. He has been better this year than he was last year, and better last year than he was the year before. So it's going to be tough. Um, obviously, you've got guys like. Um, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and, mm. and obviously Luka Doncic as well. I don't think Doncic's record's going to be good enough. He won't have enough wins. Um, but it's going to be a tough one. I don't know. My smoky is Zion. We'll see. We'll see how we go. All right, sports headlines. Thanks to Bunnings coming up very shortly. Here's Johnny Mack with the news for Gaboto. Together, we're shaping and building New Zealand. Yeah, you're listening to SNZ Brecky with Mitchum and I. It's time for some sports headlines. Thanks to Bunnings Trade, helping business is our trade. Interesting one, how out of uh, football with Russia considering a UEFA exit and a move to the AFC. This is via Mark Ogden and ESPN. The Russian Football Union will hold an executive committee meeting today to discuss the move with all Russian clubs and national teams suspended from competitive football by FIFA and UEFA in February after the invasion of Ukraine and with the conflict ongoing, the suspension remains in place. But despite the global ban on its teams competing on the club and international stage, Sources have said the RFU believes a move to the Asian organization would enable Russian teams to return to action in a more welcoming environment if or when FIFA ends its bans on Russian participation. The uh, Russian deputy head of state, Roman Turkshkov, told Sports RU it's impossible to build sports friendship with countries unfriendly to us and with constant poking from the collective West. No nations have previously resigned from UEFA, 
But there is a precedent for the AFC in terms of accepting countries from outside the Confederation with Australia now participating there after joining in 2006, moving on from the OFC in Oceania. Who's to say if uh, AFC will actually welcome them in? And talking of tennis guys, Nick Kyrgios, he's fired up just in time for the Australian Open. He's responded to critics after a firestorm erupted over his decision to pull out of the United Cup. He pulled out of the mixed teams event on the eve of the inaugural tournament that is to be held in Sydney, Brisbane and Perth, Tisney. Tennis Australia boss Craig Tilley said on Thursday that Kyrgios was taking a precautionary approach to protect his ankle and will rest up until the Australian Open begins on January 16. His withdrawal was met with dry scorn from some of his ATP tour rivals, including Greek star Stefanos Sispidis. It is not a surprise. I hope he enjoys his holidays. Of course, in great Kyrgios fashion, he's hit back by saying, ha, so after all of this, all the media journalism saying how bad I am for the sport, disrespecting the game and just a pure villain, I'm going to be the number one episode on Netflix to grow our fan base, basically trying to put tennis on the map again. Following that tweet, Kyrgios then also said, essentially, I'm putting more money in everyone's pockets that's involved with tennis. You all look really ridiculous now. Your apology should be as loud as your disrespect was. That is your sports headlines brought to you by Bunnings Trade. We're here to make your job easier because helping business is our trade. Mitch and Manaya. What was the um, Russian bloke's name again, though? <laughs> and Doug, uh, thanks very much for the update, mate. I, I'm a big fan of uh, Nick Karios and everything he does for the sport, and I think that um, even the people that hate him, that, that they're actually secretly thankful for him as well. Because tennis is a, one of those sports that has an issue with, um, you know, growing the game, people getting into it. I was uh, reading a social media post the other day that said... That clip now? I was reading a social media post the other day that said um, what has... What things have rich people ruined? And I've got to say, tenor, tennis has got to be one of them. Yeah, yeah, it has been. Um, uh, you thought golf. Tennis is probably Oh, yeah, it. golf, yeah, for the, sure. The old tennis club. Um, we were trolling through a few Kyrgios clips before. Uh, one of the best ones we've got is that Serena Williams clip. I've been with Serena before. Uh, I played mixed doubles with her at IBTL and it was like the most uncomfortable experience for me because like she was trying to do everything. Yeah. And I was like... I'm better than you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's... <laughs> that's curious to a T, isn't it? That is curious to a T. He went on uh, later on in that clip to talk about the, like, speeds that they're serving at and, yeah. and how much faster he is uh, than her. I think why that one resounded so well with people is because so many people, just regular dudes, back in the day used to say that they could beat Serena Williams that she was not that good at tennis. Mm. And so I think that this one really triggered a lot of those dudes to be like, see? Yeah. It's like, you're forgetting Nick Kyrgios is one of the best tennis players in the world. Yeah. yeah. 100% he said, yeah, she was stealing all his, like, balls at the net and yeah. stuff like that. He was like, come on, Serena. Come on, mate. <laughs> hey, that could be why he's pulled out of the United Cup. So has he put... Um, so this is a teams event. Teams event, But it's yeah. not necessarily... It's not doubles or anything, is it? So ha- has he put other people out? Question without notice, Mitch McLennigan. <laughs> has he put other people out? Yeah. Um, look, I, that's probably something we'll ask Brett Phillips yes. a little bit later. Um, fascinating, and we'll put this to Brett as well. Mm. Um, Jesus, fire with him and Leighton Hewitt never, never goes out, eh? Oh. Leighton Hewitt hates him. I don't understand why. hates him. 
he's an Australian. Shouldn't they be on the same team? <laughs> you would have thought so. Maybe he's just like he's... I think Leighton Hewitt was that, like, true Aussie, like, for yeah. the country, all about the flag, that kind of stuff, pride for your country, yeah. go to war type thing. I think, and maybe he just doesn't like the flash. No, and I think for me as a very, very casual fan of tennis, I just like Nick Kyrgios because it's... Just something, you know. Tennis can mm. be quite bland. The players can be a little bit bland. So it's just like a, there's always a storyline. There's a clip that we can play on our radio show, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. There's always something going on with Nick Kyrgios. And the other thing that I l- would like to think is I think that he has gamed the system. He's won. Allegedly he doesn't train. He just hops on podcasts and runs his mouth about Serena Williams, <laughs> does whatever he wants, gets paid and plays well. Well, I think I actually have enjoyed him more this last year than I have previously because it looked like he actually gave a shit. He's actually looked like he wanted to, like, win Wimbledon, obviously when he yeah, lost to yeah. Djokovic. Like, he literally genuinely looked like he wanted to win a, win a major, which is something we haven't seen in the past. No, but if you want to win a $50 bonus bet voucher, how do you like that for a segue, Mitch? Oh, yeah, sorry. Smooth, smooth, wasn't it? Uh, we're really, really finding our feet here on day three. Um, you can give us a call right now, 0800 150 We're going to be playing Quizzy Dag. I understand the questions have been written before the show started today, uh, so you can expect a very high calibre of quiz coming up right after this. If you want to win that $50 v- uh, voucher from the TAB, give us a call right now, 0800 150 We're playing Quizzy Dag right after this. Hey, you know we're finally here, right? Where are we? It's Quizzy Dag on SENZ Wood. It's Quizzy Dag on SENZ Wood. It's Quizzy Dag on SENZ Wood. It's Quizzy Dag, 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 Dag. Oh, you thought you did a Z and can't be. But the questions stress you out, yay. The quiz master is getting busy, but Uncle's clues would give you gout. Think you can beat them? Try your luck. Losing, they're gonna call you chump. TAB bonus bets, they're on us. TAB, 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 quizzy dag and TAB bonus bets. Don't ask Google all your slages. It's quizzy dag on It's quizzy dag. Wow, I tell you what, that is uh, much more enjoyable than the other one. That's powerful, yeah. Yeah, I've never heard that one before. Is that that you, Joe? Was that you, Joey? It was me, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got a beautiful singing voice, Mm. mate. I'm a talent. I'm going to leave the show any day now. Oh, Make that was it outstanding, Is that a promise? Um, <laughs> a bit higher than I thought, your yeah. voice. Oh, well, that's good. He did say he was just a boy and we're men. So <laughs> that was a weight-related show. <laughs> oh, weight-related. Yeah. Well, welcome in anyway, team. We are welcome into Quizzy Dag. You've got myself, the quiz master, Mitch, on Mitch and I this morning, the last day of our show this year. Mm. Uh, so we're going to give this away. Regardless, Absolutely. regardless, we're going all the way. Get that TOB bonus bet in today. Well, we're going to start off with Brett. Brett, how are you, mate? Not too bad, boys. Yourself? Did you enjoy that intro? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, Joey is the Jay Z to Aroha's uh, Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> 
Love it. Love it. That's outstanding, mate. Hopefully we can get you this $50 TAB bonus bet. Starting off with a tennis question, obviously moving into the Australian Open. Uh, at which tennis major did Nick Kyrgios play Djokovic in the final last year? Oh, he would have lost to uh, US. Oh, hard luck, Brick. Stay on the line, mate. You might get another crack. Richie, how are you, mate? Yeah, good yourself, Mitch. Yeah, good. Do you know which major Nick Kyrgios played against uh, Djokovic? Wimbledon. It was, mate. It was indeed. Yeah, it was actually the, the first major I've seen really want to win. Mm. There's a bit of heat around it, eh? Might Loved have been it. training for that one. Loved it. Uh, who won the 2020 Women's ASB Classic? 2020 Serena Williams. She did indeed. This year we are getting Venus Williams Yep. back at the ASB Classic. Yep. Radicanu, Leila Fernandez. It's going to be huge, eh? Yeah, biggest regret of my life not going to see Serena. Are you a tennis watcher, Richie? Yeah, I've been to the ASB a couple of times. Oh, nice. You enjoyed it? Oh yeah, it's yeah, sitting in the sun watching tennis. It's not bad, is it? Not. Are you in the draw to to go to go to the tennis with uh, Izzy and Daisy? Nah, not this. Nah, haven't. Oh bugger, bugger. Oh well, that would be a good day out. Um, anyway, question number three: Name the father-son combination who won last year's Group Two Rich Hill Mile at Ellerslie. Father-son. Are we still playing clues? Are we still playing clues? I don't know if I could give you one. Ooh. I don't know myself. <laughs> jo- jockey trainer combo. Jockey trainer combo. Um, Does that make anything clearer for you, Richie? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A little what a, bit. One of the oh. most informed jockeys last season. Um, we'll go the Richard. Unlucky, unlucky. Stay on the line, Richie. Uh, you might get another crack at this, mate. Uh, Lemmy, how are you? <laughs> good, mate. How are you? <laughs> oh, oh, bloody good. good Do you know this one today? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> anyway, before I, before I get going anyway, Joey sounds a lot better than Izzy Dag anyway. Any day, mate. <laughs> Doesn't Any he? Day. He's got such a beautiful voice. <laughs> beautiful <laughs> voice. In the night or half. Should be more more often singing than Izzy Dag. But anyway, um... <laughs> I'll just take a guess. Uh, oh, Weverly? You got one. Give me one. Yeah, okay. I'll take. I'll take. And what's his old man's name? Oh, jeez, uh, Simon. Oh, Logan. What do you reckon, mate? Hey. Oh, I'm feeling good. Jo- Joey says, "Give it to him." <laughs> See, just oh. because you pumped him up. Hey, that was good. You pumped Joey's tires <laughs> with the singing. Oh, cool. Sam and Darren <laughs> Weatherly. Uh, But we'll take that. We're feeling good today. Feeling good. This is a tough one, though, Lemmy. Very tough one. Derek Carr's older brother, David, was drafted number one overall by what NFL team in 2002? Oh, jeez. I'd just take a guess. Probably the Green Packers. Unlucky, unlucky, unlucky. You got got a bit of luck on the last one. This is so a tough quiz, this man. This is a super this, tough quiz, actually, tough Joey. Quiz. Except for the last question. The last question is a shoo-in, surely. Yeah. If you can make it to the last question, you're in. You're in. John, how are you, mate? Good, Bill. How are you going? You all right? Yeah, bloody, bloody good. Do you call me Bill? No. How are you doing? You're all right, mate. Oh, yeah, yeah, bloody good. Bill, well, it could be. Well, 
Um, uh, do you know who Derek Carr's older brother played for uh, or got drafted oh, for? Maybe the Texans. It was indeed. It was indeed, mate. Um, and that was actually one of the reasons that um, Derek Carr actually got drafted so low um, because he was a massive flop, old old David. So, you know, and obviously now now Derek Carr is a flop on the bench for the Raiders. So, <laughs> last last question, last question, John. Who are you kissing at midnight on New Year's Eve? My lovely wife, mate. Hey. <laughs> There we go. Beautiful, mate. Well done. Well done on winning that TAB bonus bet. Uh, look, there's there's a bit about. Well, Manai had his $20 MVP yes, shot. Zion Williamson. Zion Williams. Or, or you could try and get on the um, every team to score over 100 points. Um, but obviously the horse racing, we're going to be talking to Butch Castles in about 10 minutes. Uh, he can give you a few tips on that. We, we were saying before the show, there was no wrong answer to that last question. Um, the who are you going to kiss on... Uh, on New Year's Eve there was a right answer and John got the right answer (laughs) 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 so great work John yeah Mitch um, I was just going to say fellas before you go can I just wish um, everyone and all the listeners a happy new year and all the best everyone and let's uh, have a prosperous new year eh? 2023 brilliant thanks very much John John. you're a great man you too back at you Cheers, John. Quick ad break. We'll be right back after this. Yeah, Mitch and I in for your uh, Friday morning, Thursday morning, whatever day it is. It's the uh, weird grey zone between Christmas and New Year's Eve. Happy to be alongside you. I just made Logan sweat by walking into the studio with two seconds left until the mics turned on uh, with a lukewarm coffee. Star jumps, weren't you? Yep. And um, Mitch is making him sweat even more by talking without his microphone on. <laughs> I assure you, this is our last show of the week. We have a jam-packed show between now and 11 o'clock clock though in just about five minutes time we're going to be talking to Butch Castles he's in charge of all the racing action at the railway I just call it the railway Um, and we will be talking to BP straight after that so if you were John and you just won a $50 bonus bet voucher off us and you're wondering what you're going to do with it we have the info for you in the next half hour after that Cameron Cooper this one I'm very excited about he is our NZ mini golf open champion Back-to-back champion, three-time champion. He's got three banners hung in the Mini Golf Hall of Fame, I presume. I want to know the difference between just the family on holiday going for a putt around and the dad taking it quite seriously and being an actual uh, competitive mini golfer. What goes into it? How do you train? The courses are also vastly different. I'm looking forward to that one. Stick around. Johnny Mack with the news on the other side of this. Bush Castles. 8.03 on your SNZ Breakfast Show. Mitch and Manaya with you through until 11 o'clock. Don't forget you can get in touch with us at 8833. That is the Temper Bedpost text machine. Or you can call us anytime 0800 150 That's 0800 150 uh, We've got plenty coming up on the show. We're going to be talking a bit of golf. In fact, a lot of golf. We've got New Zealand's, woman, uh, am- New Zealand's Women's Amateur Champion. Sorry. I need another coffee, Matt. Uh, we have also got New Zealand's Mini Golf Open champion. Um, so but hopefully between the two of them, you and all of you listening at home, one of you can fix my slice. 
Um, we've just given away a $50 bonus bet voucher, and if you're wondering where to spend that, you could do worse than having a look at the uh, railway stakes, usually held at Ellerslie on New Year's Day. Um, massive field. Louis Herman Watt is beyond excited for this one. This year they changed venues to Tarapa, and in charge of it all is Butch Castles. He joins us on the line now. Season's greetings, Butch. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Uh, season's greetings to you and your listeners as well. Do you get a bit of a break over this time, or is it all, all work for you? No, all work uh, with this meeting being relocated to Tarapa. Look, Ellerslie undergoing an extensive uh, redevelopment, and uh, we've had to spread the meetings out. They raced at Kukakaui on Boxing Day, and all reports were they had a, a really good crowd there. And, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to... New Year's Day, it's a massive day's racing, as you alluded to, the feature being the Sistema Railway. Uh, but look, there's plenty of other black type racing, Group 2 races right throughout the card, and uh, it really is a, a super day. We'll get to some of the uh, some of the fields out there as well uh, in just a moment's time, but what, what kind of impact will changing the venue have? Well, it's the other way around uh, to start with. Of course, they race right-handed uh, at Tarapa, we race left-handed. Um, it's probably closer for a whole lot of the horses that don't have as far to travel. Lots of them train Cambridge and Matter Matter. And look, we've just got no idea really what sort of a crowd we'll get here with no history of New Year's Day. History at Ellerslie is a long and storied one for people going with their parents and then as they grow up, they take their children. What we've tried to do is make it accessible to everyone. Made it a free date. Lots of kids entertainment here, which is free as well. There's some food trucks out on the public lawn. So uh, there's some music out there as well. So look, hopefully a number of people that are in the Waikato and looking for something to do at this time of year, we think it could be a fair old drain on the wallet. They can come out and watch some first-class sporting action uh, at a very affordable price. Yeah, Mitch was saying yesterday, um, how does he convince the, the missus to come along to, you know, it's a little bit of a drive for him. He's, he's like, what's going to be, how, what's my angle here? How do I get her down there? There's some, uh, as you mentioned, some amazing off-track entertainment, isn't there? I think uh, someone mentioned the other day there's there's some good tents parked up at one of the turns. Uh, we can just sit there in the sun and, and sip away on the beverage of your choice. Yeah, you can. Look, there's, um, there's uh, the uh, public area, there's a, there's a uh, bar area there, there's, um, as I said, plenty of kids' entertainment, um, there's um, yeah, lots of uh, beautiful Waikato weather to uh, enjoy, and as I said, it is a free gate as well, so not many uh, high-class sporting uh, events that are free these days, and this is one of them. Butch, let's turn our attention to the Stemic Railway or Sistema Railway. Um, look, Levante's been in fantastic form. Louis Herman Watt thinks that she'll be hard to beat. She's priced at $2.40. Um, he gave us a couple, another couple of names. He seemed to think that Dragon Leap could be a chance as well. Um, what's your take on the race? Do you think it's uh, going to be a tight one or, or you got something for our punters out there? Look, she's a high-class mare. She's been to Australia twice and um, been right up against uh, and behind the place getters at the highest level, which is um, very, very good form for a race like this. She gets to do it OK under the conditions of the race. She's clearly the one to beat her. She said she's uh, $2.70 into two forty. so punters have come for her. I thought the hardest to beat was the other mare in the race, uh, Imperatrice. Look, she's a, a really good uh, mare. She's got a great record here at Tarapa. She goes well in fresh state. Owen, Patrick Bosson, Opie Bosson will do the riding and uh, we know that when these big races come up, there's no one that you want in the skin more than Opie, so he'll do the riding on Imperatrice. I think she's the biggest danger 
Mr. Devontae and as uh, Louis suggested, Craig and Leap, if he's drawn one, he'll get a suck run in behind the speed and if he can get some sort of a break in the straight, then he can finish off big. But it should really be, in my opinion, Levante's railway to lose in saying that it's probably as good a field as we've had for a long, long time. The likes of Babylon, Berlin, Bonnie Lass, they'll have claims as will Let's Be Glam. It's a very, very good field. Butch, there's two communities that I know look at the 10-day forecast um, a lot, and it's the golfing community mm-hmm. and the racing community. Um, <laughs> how's the weather shaping up, and what's that going to mean for the track? Yeah, look, it's been uh, pretty settled uh, on those forecasts. We use YR.no, which is a predictive um, maps uh, based out of all places in Norway, would you believe? But mm-hmm. they are very uh, good, and um, that's uh, our sort of weather forecast of choice and it's been very settled for a few days and looks settled. The temperature is going to drop a little which is probably not a bad thing. It's been really hot here in Hamilton the last few days. Uh, temperature is going to drop into the early 20s rather than the late 20s so that's not a bad thing And uh, but there is no rain in the forecast. We've been irrigating last night and tonight to uh, keep the track uh, not too hard so that those horses uh, all mm. get their opportunity to let go and um, there'll be some more irrigation tonight, and, and that'll be it. But the forecast is really settled, which is um, which is great. And saying all of that, that's got to be the best job in the world, doesn't it, being a weather forecaster? You just <laughs> get it wrong one day, and you move on, and no one seems to worry about it. <laughs> that's bloody gold, mate, bloody gold. Uh, moving on to the rest of the card, um, you mentioned a couple of Group 2 races. Um, what are you looking forward to on the card at Tarapa? Yeah, really looking forward uh, to the two-year-old race at this time of year. So much two-year-old form points towards the Caracamillion Million in a few weeks' time. So the Carlaw Park Eclipse Stakes is early in the card, and uh, that'll uh, give us a bit of a, a line on where things lie from a Caracamillion Million perspective. I think later in the card, there's the Windsor Park Stud Queen Elizabeth Stakes for the Sayers, over 2,400 metres. Uh, look, that's a really even field. We've got a past winner of the race in Platinum Invader, self-obsession going well, Dionysus going well as well. And then the Rich Hill Mile is always a great betting race, um, a really even field assembled this year. Didn't know which way uh, to go in that, but that's certainly one of the features. And then um, outside of that, there's the Jamison Park Hawks, but, uh, sorry, Auckland Guineas, uh, where Dynastic comes back from being uh, gelded. And there's a really good filly in there, Prowess, the Dunstan Feed Stayers Championships, Always a good race, and I reckon I could tip one at a nice each-way price in that called Can He Rock? Had absolutely no chance. Um, last time was um, uh, had all sorts of bad luck in running and uh, ran fourth. I reckon he can uh, improve. It'd be hard to beat in the Dunstan Feed Stays Championship. We all like picking the winner of the last, and I reckon Astron will be the winner of the last so he can go home with some um, brass in pocket. You mentioned something uh, earlier that I wanted to pick up on. Uh, obviously, there's a big prize uh, up on the line for the Sistema Railway, but it's a bit more about the history, isn't it? Talk a bit about some of the some of the past winners and the history of that race in particular. Yeah, it's, it's um, one of, uh, well, probably the, the best-known sprint race in New Zealand. Uh, you go back to the likes of Mr Tiz, who was uh, one of our very best sprinters when and did the job in Australia when... Uh, uh, sprint races in Sydney. He uh, won the railway at least twice. He may have even won it the third time as well. So he was, um, at the time when the O'Sullivan stable was absolutely dominant in New Zealand racing, Mr. Tiz, um, one of uh, the, the better uh, winners of a railway over the years. Uh, there's been horses like Bounding uh, win it in recent times. 
um, as well. So, look, it's it's been a um, a race that um, everyone wants to win, and it's pretty poignant at the moment. Of course, um, Colin Gillings, an absolute legend of the training ranks uh, in New Zealand, he won it as a jockey, as a very young jockey, before weight got the better of him, and uh, he had to give up being a uh, jockey. He then turned to training. And at the age of 19, and for a long, long time, he was um, one of New Zealand's preeminent trainers. So uh, pretty special uh, to uh, see a renewal of the railway so soon after the passing of one of the very greats of the New Zealand industry, a race that he won as a jockey. Yeah, it's a, it's a long and storied history, change of venues uh, this year, but looking forward to all of the action on New Year's Day. Butch Castles, thanks very much for your time, mate, and hopefully you get a bit of time to enjoy yourself on the day as well. Not all work. Yeah. We'll try and find a winner or two. Don't worry about that. Yeah, beauty. Thanks very much. Uh, greatly appreciate your time. CEO of Waikato Racing, Butch Castles. He'll be uh, pulling the strings on race day. Plenty of action there and a, and a great tip as well, Mitch. I saw you jotting it down. Yeah, jotting a few of those uh, uh, tips down for, for everyone listening to SNZ. Um, race 8, Platinum Invader, is one of the ones that Butch tipped. Um, said it was good. It, each way bet, $6.50, $2.40. Uh, race 10, he said, you want to take some coin home in the last race <laughs> of the day at Tarapa? He thinks Astron might get up $2.80 and $1.45. And I will try and find, can he rock? But mm. um, Imperatriz was an interesting one. Yep. Um, still in there at $5 uh, for the win. Obviously, Levante is the favourite and from $2.70 to $2.40. Uh, but does have that Opie Bossom factor on yep. board. So... That's massive. And if you're a vibe punter, Dragon Leap's a pretty cool name. Um, <laughs> so that's you. That's you. So, look, I might throw it into a multi with a couple of anchors that some actual experts have told us. All right. It's time for the choices flooring poll, mate. We want to know, uh, we want to know, as I scramble through my pieces of paper, New Year's Eve is coming up. It's a big one. Um, I know some people tend to overindulge on New Year's Eve. And when that happens and you wake up a little... A little worse for you, playing off the back foot, so to say. What is your go-to hangover meal? Are we like what cures you? I mean, there's no real cure, is there? But what is your go-to hangover meal? Here are your options: pizza. Do you go pizza, Mitch? No, 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 no. I don't pizza for dinner, maybe. Although, if you bought pizza the night before and Not there's a cold that pizza, is a cure. you will have yep. that for breakfast. Uh, McDonald's. McDonald's isn't a bad go-to. There's one. There's one so close to me that it breaks my heart to order delivery, but I still do if I'm, if I'm that way inclined, if I'm that hungover. I have to have a real discussion with myself. Be like, do I drive 500 metres down the road or do I just pay 10 bucks for some bloke to drop it <laughs> off? Uh, KFC is option C. Yeah, that's, uh, that's I've cringed. Gone. I've cringed at that. Have, just yeah, thinking you, about the grease. You flinched. Yeah, I did. <laughs> um, John McNeil, a uh, famed fabled newsreader, KFC's his go-to. Mm. Or D, more beers. More beers. <laughs> the well, issue with the more beers is just keep drinking. You're just you're just delaying it. You're kicking the can down the road. Can I can I just say, mm. in the words of the great John Daly, <laughs> he said the best hangover cure is getting on what you were drinking last night. <laughs> Here of the dog. Yeah, he said. 
Exactly what you were drinking last night. Get straight back on it. All right, those are your options for the Choices Flooring Poll. We'll have the results very shortly. But in the meantime, we're going to go to a quick air break. On the other side of this, we're going to catch up with BP from the TAB. Manaya Mitch on SENZ for your uh, run into work. If you are, we'd love to hear from you. Double eight double three. We're also running a poll. Uh, we'd love to hear from you on that as well. Double eight double three oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. This is the Choices Flooring Poll. See your floor change in an instant with Room View. What's your go-to hangover meal after New Year's? Pizza, McDonald's, KFC or D? Uh, more beers. That's the Choices Flooring uh, poll brought to you by Choices Flooring. Room View makes choosing flooring easy. Visit choicesflooring.com.au to find out more. Time now to cross to the TAB with Brendan Popwell. G'day BP, how are you getting on this morning? What's your go-to hangover cure? I think you've left out one more. Mm. All of the above. <laughs> Jeez, that's a day out. <laughs> um, I, I reckon KFC to be honest I mm. think um, that seems to, to cure me uh, well you, you think it cures you but an hour and a half later you're, you're still not cured but um, <laughs> it goes yeah, in yeah, waves KFC. doesn't it it does it does doesn't it yeah yeah. Uh, but I, I'm I'm on board with you as well, KFC. I don't think that you can consider beers an actual hangover cure. They are a hangover yeah. delayer. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You're gonna no, have to pay no. the piper at some point. All you're doing there is just kicking it to touch a little bit, and then uh, <laughs> it, it'll come back to get you. Um, but that's not what we got you on to talk about, BP. Uh, though we do <laughs> value your input. Um, what are the punters looking at this morning on the TAB? Yeah, well, well, we'll jump to the cricket first of all. There's a bit of local cricket first of all to talk about. And uh, the Super Smash, we've got CD playing Canterbury. Very even match this one. Canterbury is just the favourites, even though CD are playing at home. Canterbury 178, uh, Central Districts 195. Look, they nearly chased down uh, that big score at Fitzherbert Park a couple of days ago against Wellington. So we have seen a little bit of money at that $1.95 for Central Districts. Yep. If you're looking around for some power plays, both these players batted well uh, a couple of days ago. Tom Bruce and Dane Cleaver both to score 25 runs each. That's at $5. Uh, Tom Bruce, he came down and buffed it late, and uh, Cleaver, uh, he's shown he's in good form as well. Of course, uh, a player that's played for the Black Hats, both of them have. Uh, so, yeah, both of them at $5. That's been a, a well-taken power play uh, in that match. You're, you're right. Uh, yesterday, Mitch, with Otago, that was a nice little play at, at, at an overs price. That, that got the job done yesterday. Yeah, no, it did. And, and on that, um, what you just talked about, I think um, from that game with Auckland Canterbury, I, I felt like Canterbury were the weaker side, uh, were weak as well. So I think that's good money on CD today. Um, and I don't mind that power play at all either. Okay. And Black Caps. Now, this is a game that's getting interesting because we've, we said yesterday that it looked like there was only one team that could possibly win it, and that's what the that's what's happened now with mm. the Black Caps three thirty. The favourite option, of course, is the draw at a dollar thirty three. But we have taken some money around the Black Caps at that three thirty price and continue to be backed while they were batting and when they took a couple of wickets last night. So uh, Pakistan one hundred and fifty one dollars. So uh, look, they're not really in a position to win the match. So so you're saying yeah, three thirty for the win. Yeah, I think I'm thinking I'm thinking that's that's pretty good money. I, I'd be having a devil of that two down already. Um, yeah, I I just feel like Pakistan's nowhere. I think they don't know what type of game to play. So I think that's good money there actually. Um, and also I see you've got a bonus back uh, promotion on the Titans Cowboy game coming up as well. So if you pick the winning team but the wrong margin, uh, you get your money back. 
Yes, yes. And look, punters love those sort of insurance offers. Mm. And, and, and look, this is what that one provides. And I'll tell you what, we're seeing one-way traffic in this match. Um, Dallas Cowboys are dollar eleven to win. So if you think they're going to go all the way with a big victory, you can take $1.79 and... Look, if the Titans are to put in some sort of performance and Cowboys only win 1-13, to 13, uh, at least you get, you, you're getting a bonus mm-hmm. bet back there. So you could look into that as, as a particular option. Look, no Derek Henry for the t- for the Titans. Uh, the Cowboys, I'll tell you what, the, the best bet in this match is around a couple of touchdown uh, scorers. CD Lamb, $2, been well taken. And, well, punters love Zeke. Uh, he's one fifty seven to score a touchdown. He's been a good touchdown form at the moment. They've been the two well-played options in the anytime touchdown scorer. Mm, nice. And on that one as well, mate, I looking at obviously the Cowboys' form of late um, in their, I think their last six games, I think the lowest score they've scored is 27 points. So right. I, I really like the 39.5 points and over at eighty, or over 13 points for the Cowboys in the um, in the first half at a dollar seventy three, so a couple of good options on that match as well. Talking darts, mate. Um, we're starting to get towards the pointy end. Yes, we are. We are, and we've seen a, a couple of decent games this morning as well. And uh, one of the the players, David Chisnell, has been been knocked out. We've got a game on that's currently on at the moment: Luke Humphreys versus Vincent Vandervoort, and then uh, the two games to complete the uh, evening session. Gerwin Price, a former winner, uh, is up against D'Souza. Gerwin Price, really well played here at the dollar twenty. Punters want to play that through multis. If you're looking for something a little bit different in that match, maybe look to his total one eighties. Gerwin Price total one eighties uh, over seven at a dollar sixty six. That has been the best back one eighty price uh, in that particular game. And then the other match, which is going to be a beauty to finish things up here, Johnny Clayton, of course, the winner of the Hamilton Darts Masters. He's up against uh, a real up-and-comer who's been back from a big price. And Josh Rock could have got around 30 or 40 to 1. Uh, he's making a, a move in the tournament. He is the favourite Josh Rock at 169, but there's still money for Johnny Clayton, who sits at that 208 price. Just looking at the NBA as well, this one tickles my fancy every day. The power play, every team scores over 100. Um, it missed by two points yesterday. LeBron James Lakers scored 98, otherwise that one would have come in. I've looked up a few stats because I'm the statistician on this show, Mitch. Um, no team in the NBA is averaging under 100 points in a game. Miami Heat have the fewest yeah. points per game. It's 108. So basically what you're betting on uh, with the every team scores 100 or more is that there isn't a blowout because when a team gets blown out, they sit all of their starters. That's when they might not reach uh, the the amount that they need to. When I'm looking at the games today, the, the only blowout that I could see happening is the Mavs, Luka Doncic, who's on an absolute heater at the moment. They're playing the Rockets, who are openly tanking. Um, so that one could... But the, the thing with the Mavs is they don't play defence. So the Rockets could still happily score 100 points. Um, do, do the, are the punters getting on board that one? I see it's the top of the power plays every day. <laughs> they do. Yeah, you found you found one there, Manai. And I tell you what, that that is without a doubt when the power play is open, that that is the best back power play uh, when that when that's on offer. So yeah, and and that's what it is. It's a it's a stats driven sport. Uh, when it's on every single day, that, that you know stats become a 
probably become the key ingredient, mm. and that is probably one of them for that reason that you just mentioned why it gets so well back. So, yeah, nicely spotted. Yeah, the only other one I could think of would be the Knicks blowing out the Spurs, but um, I'm thoroughly enjoying doing the morning show and then parking up watching cricket. Uh, sorry, well, cricket and basketball all afternoon. Don't know if my partner's enjoying it, but we greatly appreciate your time, uh, BP. Go well. What are your plans for New Year's Eve, Matt? Pretty quiet, to be honest, mate. I've got uh, races the next day, so um, who puts castles on there? So it's going to be a huge day at Tarapa, so looking forward to that. So, um, yep, we'll just keep uh, chipping away. We'll have a few quiets and then um, get into New Year's Day and ha- have a good day at the, at the races working. Maybe, maybe a zinger box or something as well to, uh, <laughs> to cure the hangover. <laughs> Thanks very much, BP. Appreciate your time. Happy New Year, mate. Yeah, and to you guys as well. Cheers, mate. BP from the TAB there, uh, Mitch... You didn't seem too keen on the KFC. <laughs> no, no, but that's fine. Each to their own, eh? Yeah. Used I to have a Wendy's quite close to us, so that was the old go-to. Tell you, it's it's the Coke that does it, I reckon. It's the Coke that, that gets, makes the hangover so makes bad. Makes the hangover no, <laughs> <laughs> makes it better, mate. You know the old. Uh... <laughs> uh, all right, we're about to go to the news. Don't forget that our choices flooring poll today is what's your go-to hangover meal after New Year's? Pizza, McDonald's, KFC, or more beers? Get in touch, double eight double three, or get on the app. You can vote live and direct on there as well. Joining me back with news and sport now. On the other side of that, we're going to be talking to Cameron Cooper, New Zealand mini golf champion. We want to find out what it takes to become a pro at mini golf. Manaya Mitch for your SNZ Breakfast Show. Producers Logan and Joe in the booth with us as well. Get in touch with us, double eight double three oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. The Choices Flooring Poll is also up on the app. What's your go-to hangover meal after New Year's? Is it pizza? Is it McDonald's? Is it KFC? Is it more beers? I think a lot of people, Mitch, over this period find themselves at the uh, mini golf course. And I also think that particularly, I think this is a bloke thing. We're very competitive. There's another bloke on the course with you. It goes from being a fun outing to getting very, very competitive. And we've got someone who knows more about being a competitive mini golfer than just about anyone. Three-time NZ Mini Golf Open champ, back-to-back uh, win in Fitianga this year, just about a month or two ago. Cameron Cooper, he joins the show now. G'day, Cameron. How are you going? Yeah, good, thanks. That's the story. As I mentioned, um, I feel like mini golf is one of those things that's designed to be you know, fun, just have a little bit of a play around it inevitably gets quite competitive. What is the difference between just an average putt-around player and a competitive mini-golf player? Um, I think maybe just the, the concentration over having to play maybe four rounds, five rounds. Uh, New Zealand Open, we played over eight rounds, so trying to trying to compete and stay in that groove for that long rather than just hitting a one round and get a few aces. Yeah, it's a bit, a bit of a tough one to to hold on over the rest of the stuff. So when you just said that you played eight rounds, I think about eight eyebrows went up in the studio here. How long does that take yeah. you? 
so with uh, New Zealand Open, we play five on a on a one day, and then we play three the next day. So uh, the five rounds would probably take you forty five minutes around, I'd say. So it's, a, it's probably probably three three hours. Um, Cameron, how do you actually? I was just looking at your Instagram. Actually, um, there's a few unusual stances there. As a as a standard golfer, you're obviously practicing different shots. Do you get on the mini course uh, and mini putt course or mini golf course and and practice different stances, different positions? Uh, no, not really. But I guess at times you also do have to have a bit of balance because you're always going to put yourself in a in a weird position, like get stuck behind a rock or something. So uh, yeah, you got a foot up on a rock or off the edge of a into a garden or something like that how do you practice because the courses are all so different is it just a, a case of playing as many different courses as you can and like figuring out how to how to sort of scramble around or or is there a bit of a training regime that goes into it? uh yeah it is it's definitely uh playing as many courses as you can a lot of the time if you've got a competition somewhere um if you turn up the morning before or say for an open you turn up a day before you sort of you spend the day just sort of working out what you need to do what sort of shots you want to play and uh any sort of particular recovery shots and angles and that sort of thing from around from around behind rocks or behind walls and stuff can you make a bit of cash um it's it's starting to be a little bit of cash here in new zealand you know new zealand open was a thousand dollars for first prize this year um we played in a tournament earlier this year in Australia, which had a $2,000 first prize. There's an Australian Open February, which is a kind of 5000 first prize. And um, there's also a competition in the States at the moment, which is on this pop stroke courses, which Tiger Woods designed. Um, they had a team thing just recently, and the team won 10, uh, 20 grand, 10 oh, grand first wow. prize. Yeah. So that's a that's a different style of course, right? Um, no sides, no no bricks. Have, have you played on a course like yeah, that before? Uh, yeah, played played on a couple like that. Played um, on a course like that in Czech Republic when we went over and had an international tournament over there. Um, but yeah, those are those are sort of courses that if we could get something like that in New Zealand, it'd be quite nice to play because I think you'd get a lot of regular golfers in there uh, actually sort of putting rather than just sort of hoping you'd bang it off a wall. So you mentioned um, going over to the Czech Republic. Uh, there's a, a tournament in the States as well. What other places has um, competitive mini-golf taken you? Um, so 2017, I went to Croatia, um, played in a couple of events there, uh, world champs over there, and then in 2019 played in China, which was uh, the, the last world champs before COVID. Wow. You could travel the world um, playing mini-golf. Here's the burning question. This was the first question that I wanted to ask um, when I found out that we would be talking to you today. Do you take your own club, or does the course provide you with their club and you have to use one of the, the standard uh, neon-coloured clubs that the course has? No, no, it's definitely uh, bring your own club. Um, I, have, I have a putter, which is actually uh, a European mini-golf putter. It has a, has a, a large rubber rubber face on it so it's a little bit different to a regular sort of golf putter what's the benefit of that compared to a normal putter um so with the european one when you play things like world champs and european style mini golf they actually have balls which are actually golf balls essentially if you think of a squash ball but uh solid and some some will bounce they may bounce two meters some will somewhat bounce at all so the ones that don't bounce at all you need to have a face to actually get the ball moving and 
off the face. Otherwise, if you're hitting it with a metal face, it just dies and you won't hit it anywhere. Wow, that's really interesting. I've always wondered why they... I just presumed that they gave you the rubber ones at the at the golf mini golf courses, I don't know, just so that you didn't hit them as far. But that's so interesting about the ball and the rubber club face match. No, that's fascinating. Yeah. Um, Cameron, I've got a, a really important question here. Um, you brought up yeah. Tiger Woods's pop smoke. Uh, pop stroke. Pop, pop stroke. Oh, jeez, I'm on the wrapper. <laughs> it's, it actually does tie in a bit of music. Um, Tiger Woods's pop stroke. Um, obviously, he's familiar with groupies. Um, what brings in more groupies, uh, your mini golf career or your career with your band Bull Rush? Um, at the moment, uh, probably neither. Uh, every, every time you talk about you talk about mini golf, uh, people go, "Oh, isn't that just windmills and clowns like Happy Gilmore?" Uh, but and and um, and the band thing's only pretty new at the moment, so uh, there's still plenty of time for that to happen, I guess. Um, just on the just on the courses, how do they pick what courses to play on? Because they're all so wildly different, and let's face it, most of them aren't actually designed to be, you know. Uh, competitively played, they just put the wackiest dinosaur they can find in the middle of the green and, and, yeah. and call it a course. So, how do they pick the courses? And are, are there is there a caliber or a, a tier of course that's eligible for for competitive mini golf? Um, in New Zealand, uh, not so much. I mean, us on the New Zealand mini, mini golf federation, we, we sort of just look around courses, trying to spread around the country, I guess. So. As long as it's not in terrible condition um, and the courses want to let us play there, that sort of thing, then we'll, we'll play most places here in New Zealand. Um, it just, yeah, it, it really just comes down to as long as the, the carpet's in pretty good condition and it's not, it's been looked after well, then we'll, we'll look at it as a competition course. And Cameron, um, where can listeners who are interested in getting involved in mini golf and the competitive side of mini golf, where do they go to find out more information? Yeah, uh, you can go to the uh, New Zealand Mini Golf Federation Facebook page. So if you just search New Zealand Mini Golf Federation, it would uh, all the information should be on there. Or the website, which is I believe is nzminigolf.com. And all the results and previous results and new competitions will get posted on there and information of where courses are. Mitch reckons that the difference between uh, 95 and breaking 90 is just getting your putting down, getting that right. Mm-hmm. How, how, how much does competitive mini golf translate out onto the, uh, the golfing green? Oh, it, uh, it helps a huge amount. I've found in my own game just because I've spent so much time putting and that sort of thing that I can get out on a green and like read a putt and know the speed, know the line and always almost feel confident to, to make every putt just because you've been in that groove for so long. I, su- I suppose once you get out into a golf course and you're looking at a green with no Ferris wheels, with no clowns or um, T-Rexes in front of you, it must just become almost too easy, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, it, it can be. Um, although you, I, I get a lot of people make fun of me when I'm playing. They're saying, oh, if you, you would have made that putt if we'd uh, put a wall in front of you or a, or a window in front of the hole. Yeah, what is your handicap? Uh, I play off, a, currently playing off a four. Oh, wow. so you're a good golfer as well. There well, you go. I mean, there you go. Some would say he's the best in some formats. Um, Cameron, thanks very much uh, for joining us. Uh, do you get a bit no of worries. a... Do you get a bit of a break? Oh, actually, should I ask, when's your band playing next if someone wants to come and see a gig? 
at this stage, I haven't got anything lined up. Probably end of uh, end of January at this stage. Uh, probably the next six months or so, we'll be uh, out in full force trying to play in front of as many people as we can. And when's the next uh, competition? Uh, next competition for in New Zealand here is in February. Uh, it's actually our first one out in the South Island, so down in Timaru oh. on the 11th and 12th of Feb, I think. Down at Caroline Bay Carnival. Correct, yeah. Oh, tremendous. Don't go on the octopus, mate. Do not go on the octopus, <laughs> promise me that. Um, at least not until you finish the competition. Cameron Cooper, uh, New Zealand, three-time New Zealand Mini Golf Open champ. Thanks very much for joining us on the show this morning. No Cheers, mate. What an interview, Mitch. That was great. That was bloody good, mate. Uh, fizzy, eh? Yeah, we've got a few good texts off the back of that as well. Mike uh, asking if it's mini golf or crazy golf. Yep, it can drive you a little bit crazy oh. like when you're talking about the clowns and well, the windmills and all that kind of stuff. This is the thing, and I probably should have asked him, but, um, you know, when it's getting really competitive and it's coming down to, you know, the last hole and someone's got to win it, and the clown is like laughing at you like Happy Gilmore. Like it must just add this whole weird dimension. It's funny that he mentioned he's going down to Timaru because the whole time I was talking to him, when I asked that question about the calibre of courses, I, I was kind of getting it. You wouldn't want to play at Caroline Bay, would you? <laughs> That's where they're playing. It's, but they are. Oh, mate, there's bloody gold. Thanks for sending that texter as well, Mike, on the temper bedpost text machine. Uh, we also got one from James. He says, pop, smoke and coke. What a combo, Mitchie. Uh, yep, of the DC variety, I'm sure. Uh, and Kerry's also come in with our uh, choices flooring mm. pole. Uh, said, another bear, bear here of the dog, absolutely, or a good old fry-up. Yeah, I'm a big fan of a fry-up as well. It's nothing better than waking up in the morning and someone's on the fry-up. Um, all right, we're going to... Take your, uh, we're going to collate your votes, take your texts, your calls, put them all together and announce the uh, results of the Choices Flooring Poll. So five minutes over this ad break to get your last minute votes in. What is your go-to hangover meal after New Year's? Is it A, pizza, B, McDonald's, C, KFC or D, more beers? We'll be back with the answers right after this. Mitch and Manaya for breakfast on SENZ and it's time for the results of our Choices Flooring Poll. See your floor change in an instant with Room View. The question we asked, Logan, was what's your go-to hangover meal after New Year's? Pizza, McDonald's, KFC or more beers? Uh, and I believe you've been tallying the votes. Yeah, I've been coming across this. Manaya, pizza, zero votes. It's just that you don't order a pizza in the morning, I think. Yeah, t- yeah. like you say, it takes too long. I also kind of wonder if the the amount of cheese probably isn't a good mixture too. Uh, McDonald's, 28% of the vote. And then we have a split between KFC and more beers. <laughs> 35% of the vote. I just, I don't know, the more beers want, I mean, to be fair, it's the only thing that can really alleviate a hangover. Um, and we don't encourage that at SNZ. <laughs> uh, obviously drink responsibly. But uh, I don't think that that's in the same category as the other ones. Because it's really a hangover delayer, isn't it? Yeah, no, no, I get that. I, I did like BP's response of, uh, can I pick all of the above? Yes. That sounds like a wicked uh, morning. Uh, I mean, I'm probably the same as Johnny Mac. I'd probably go KFC as well. How are we going to split this then if it's if it's a tie between well, KFC Well, you're saying and more beers is potentially not an option, so I guess KFC is the winner. I, I'd just like to question its eligibility. I'd like to see its birth certificate. I don't know <laughs> if it can be considered for selection. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, I, I mean, Spain got kicked out of the Rugby World Cup for this kind of thing. Yeah, no, that's true. Let's uh, let's uh, see some proper documents here to yeah, see if it falls absolutely. under the right category. Okay, we also have a bit of drama uh, across the ditch with KFC. Uh, an employer revealed that they have tinkered with what is in the Zinger box, the almighty Zinger box. No. 
Uh, I think it's different here to what's in Australia. In Australia, mm. you get a Zingerberger, three Wicked Wings. I think you get two here. Mm-hmm. Pick up your game, yeah, NZ. Uh, a po- hot chips, uh, regular potato and gravy, and a drink. They're now removing those Wicked Wings for their hot and crispy uh, boneless chicken. Oh, nah. I need the wings, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's been a bit of outrage around that. Uh, some people saying, I swear KFC hates their customers. <laughs> Another one said, I'm never going to KFC again. And a third one just going full American saying, I'm suing. So you need, you need the Wicked Wings because you like to bone your own, you like to debone your own chicken wings? Is that yeah, right? Yeah, you take them home, get yeah. the knives out, cut the bones. He's yeah. a high-quality oh, boner. We, what, what, do you this? what do you guys do? <laughs> do you just eat them with the bones? In them? No, you got to cut them out. That old um, technique where you like push the meat down from the top and make it like a little chicken lollipop. lollipop. Yeah, that's a good bad. technique. I think I know where we're all going straight after this show. Um, thoroughly enjoy that. Thanks very much for all of the uh, correspondence on the text machine, uh, on the app where you can vote as well, uh, and on 0800 That is the Choices Flooring Poll, a, a dead heat between KFC and more beers for your go-to hangover meal after New Year's. Choices Flooring's room view makes choosing flooring easy. Visit choicesflooring.com.au to find out more. The results for the question, which was, what's your go-to hangover meal after New Year's? It was a uh, dead heat. A photo finish, and even the camera couldn't split them between KFC and more beers. Peter McSee, you've come in just a fraction late, unfortunately. He wanted to enter pie and coke. Pie and coke. Yeah. I, yeah. I agree. Uh, mince and cheese, steak and cheese. I know that I can't do the cheese. No. I can't do the cheese on a hangover. No. I need just pure, like, I'll go a pepper steak. Um, pepper or, steak. Or just okay. steak. Um, I think one of the one of the petrol stations does pepper steak pies. They are delicious. What's um, the old adage? You've got to blow on the pie? You always always blow on the pie. That thing's mm. been in the uh, pie warmer for about eight hours. It's thermonuclear <laughs> by the time you get in there. I used to have a mate who worked at a petrol station, and at about 10 to 8, because they shut at 8, he would put all of the pies into the pie warmer, and then at 8 when the shop shut, he'd be like, oh, well, I'm going to have to take all these pies home. <laughs> Walk into his flat like Santa Claus, just slinging pies across that's the lounge. Awesome. That's bloody yeah. awesome. That's bloody awesome. I'll tell you what, I, that's one thing I'd love to do is a, a pie tour of New Zealand. Just go around rating all the pies. Someone there, <laughs> there is definitely an idea in there. I know an Instagram that does that. Is that right? We'll hit them up, get them to shut it down, and then we'll take over that idea. I saw somebody walk to every Copeland's Bakery in Christchurch the other day. Took them about it was like fifty something kilometres around the city. So that is dedication to the pie. But you know mm. what? If there's a crew that could pull that off, it seems like there already has been one. But if there was another one that could do it, it would be us. Here on uh, Breakfast here with Mitch Manaya, Logan uh, and Joe Bell who needs to get a few pies in him to become a man as, he, as we discussed yesterday. Jessica Green coming up after this. 9.04 on SENZ, Manaya and Mitch in the hot seat with you through until 11 o'clock. Plenty to come on the show as well. Mitch, we're going to be talking to Jeremy Coney at about 9.30 about this first test between the Black Caps and Pakistan. We're going to keep the cricket going uh, with Kyle Jamison, Black Caps bowler, see how that back's feeling. We're going to talk a bit of tennis with Brett Phillips, the voice of tennis, uh, particularly on SEN and SENZ. Um, but now it is time to talk to... Uh, New Zealand women's amateur golf champion and playing partner of yours uh, just a few days ago, uh, Mitch, Jess Green. She joins the show now. Uh, season's greetings. Jess, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. First question, straight off the bat, thoughts on Mitch's game? Um, we were actually opponents, so uh, <laughs> he, he definitely wasn't my teammate. But, <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> 
Maybe he just needs to listen from me. He'll be all right. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, yeah. I've got a round, round the back type swing, a fat man swing now, Manaya. Uh, still got the job done, didn't it? Uh, the hail came down, and, and I think we were three up with four to play. So, is that how you remember it, Jess? Um, yeah, it was it was a it was a one man team. <laughs> yeah, it was just Jess. Yeah, it was just Jess. Um, I hear you're in the market for a new umbrella sponsor. Oh, whoever's idea it was to stay out in the hailing rain owes me that umbrella. Mate, that she, was my first time using it as well. I guess you had this great uh, Under Armour umbrella with a green green stick and, and we got a yeah, gust come through. I was so excited to use it and then lasted about three minutes. Yeah, what, got turned inside out? Or? Uh, we had a big gust come through with the hailstorm yep. and it, it snapped. The the arm of the umbrella snapped. Not yeah. So we yeah. had a a long walk back to the clubhouse. So an opportunity for an umbrella <laughs> yeah. manufacturer to uh, to get on board. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think so. Um, we are talking to Jess Green, uh, yes, the New Zealand amateur champion. Um, that was obviously we haven't spoken to you since then. That was played down at the Otago Golf Course. Um, just talk us through the week. I mean, what a phenomenal performance. Um, you're in form at the right time of year. Yeah, yeah, it, it all worked out well. It was good timing. I've been working on a few things um, this year and it all sort of came together at once. Um, so, yeah, it was, a, it was a long week, but managed to get the job done and, yeah, started strong from the start. So, yeah, it was good. What kind of things, you mentioned you were working on a few things. What what, what were those things? Just a bit of fine-tuning? What particular areas of the game? Yeah, um, I mean, I've been working with my coach for about six years now and... To be fair, we've we've been working on the same thing for about six years. So, um, yeah, it, it, it was just that fine tuning, um, but in every aspect, so like the mental, the tactical, technical, um, and yeah. So we were in the right headspace at the time. So it was yeah, it was good. It definitely made a difference. Yeah, you finished off uh, the win on the 16th hole with a 30-metre putt um, over Vivian Liu, who's a New Zealand representative. Uh, before we talk about that match a little bit more, um, Manaya doesn't mark his ball with a coin, and we're wondering if that's uh, key to shaving some strokes off his golf game. He doesn't mark his ball. He doesn't line point. up his putts with the little line on the ball either. Oh. Should I be um, doing that? Oh. It would help. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> Unless you've got like a better eye than anyone I've ever met, then maybe, maybe not. But yeah, each to their own. Well, I, my thing is, I'm, I'm so bad at golf that I just don't see the point in, in mucking around picking the ball up, putting the marker down, putting the ball back down again, and then shanking my putt anyway. You know what I mean? That's. <laughs> but then is that why I'm shanking my putt? Because I'm not taking the time to line it up. No, well, well that's the thing. There's two parts to putting. You've always got your green reading, and then you've got, yeah, starting it on the line. Um, but, yeah, if, if you... If you can't do the green reading at the start, then yeah, there's really no point of lining it up because you'll just be lining it up in the wrong place. Just just while we're on talking about um, average Joes uh, improving their game, what do you reckon would be your number one tip for the average weekend hack? Uh, to just like, what's the main thing that you see people doing wrong or see people not doing that could potentially take a stroke or two off their their scorecard? Um. Oh, probably. 
I mean, it's a, it's a big mental game, and a lot of people like to blame the gear when it's normally not the gear. Mm. Um, <laughs> it's usually them. So, oh, I don't know. There's a, there's a, there's a long list. But, yeah, <laughs> don't, don't, don't blame the gear. It's, it's probably you. Oh, 100%. It's probably you, Manoa. It's oh, probably you. It's 100% <laughs> yeah. me, yeah, absolutely. There's no. You could give me Rory McIlroy's driver, I will still put it in the bush on the right every single time. <laughs> yeah. There's just nothing we can yeah. I can do about it. Um, Jess, going, um, going back to obviously winning the New Zealand Amateur, um, you mentioned um, that having Sylvia Brunetti on the bag after the corner finals, uh, who was a past champion of the New Zealand Amateur in 2017, uh, made a big difference. Um, how did she help you help you get to that winning that amateur? Um, I mean, I've played golf with her since I think she was four and I was six. So we know each other's game like like our own. Um, so, yeah, she she she's also my best friend. So she kept me calm. We literally just talked about everything other than golf. Um, and then obviously when we got to the shot, um, she knew exactly how I'd normally play it. So we worked with that, uh, including like reading putts. She read all my putts and I, I know she's a great green reader. Um, so I trusted that. So that was one less thing off my, off my mind um, that she could do. And yeah, we just worked real, very good as a team. Um, and like you said, she's, she's been in that position before. So she knows what it's like. She knows what needed to be done. Um, so yeah, that's, yeah, definitely made a you mentioned there that, um, geez, you, you were playing golf since you were four years old and she was six. Um, how early did you start playing golf? Um, yeah, I would have been about four. I, I actually, I actually started playing just because my older brother was real into it. So he was he was third in the world when he was six years old. Wow. Um, yeah, so whenever the he like toured around the states when he was like super super young, so I just well, I was just following him around. I hated the sport, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I just I just had to go around. So yeah, I was just like, if you can't beat him, I will join him. Um, and then yeah, he quit, and I just kept going. <laughs> um, our producer yeah. in here, Logan, he's trying to get his daughter into uh, golf. He's just bought a little uh, what was it, a little plastic set? Was it? Uh, Logan from Kmart, mate. From, from Kmart, um, I think. How old is your daughter? Very, very young. Just turned two. Just turned two. Um, what is he on the right track? What does he need to do in the next few years to make sure that she uh, she stays on the right track and gets very good at golf? Oh, probably. I mean, I've I've have seen it all um, in terms <laughs> of like how how parents, you know, try and get them into it. But mm. just yeah, just be patient. Don't don't be that pushy parent that make them hate the game like yeah it might work as in they'll be great at it but they will hate it if you just like push them push them push them um yeah they've got to they've got to want to do it themselves and golf isn't for everyone like it is a boring like it is a boring sport. <laughs> it's, it's such a boring sport um but you know some kids love it and if they do then great you're yeah you're already halfway there so if your kid does love it, jess do you have any um ideas or, or suggestions around equipment that parents should be getting their kids? Uh, ooh, I've got to be biased, but I feel like it's factual as well. US Kids Golf Club, um, they, are, they are the best for junior golf clubs because you can start them from as young as 
three years old, I believe it is, so that will be soon. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's perfectly, like, catered for their height, weight, swim speed, everything. So you're not, like, yeah, getting little bodies into big adult clubs and um, hindering their performance. Yeah, perfect. That sounds go. great. Um, I, I will be definitely looking into that for Kobe, and I know Logan will be looking into that as well. Um, question for you going forward. Um, you missed out on the Circuit Golf Cup um, to represent New Zealand um, after even beating Vivian Liu, who's in that representative team. You're only 19 years old. Are you disappointed that you didn't make that, or... Uh, you know, what is is it a goal for you in the future to be able to try and play for New Zealand maybe this year? Um, yeah, it, it definitely is a goal. I'm, I'm at the moment. I'm working towards the I think it's called the Santo Esperado Cup, which is the equivalent to the Eisenhower Cup for girls. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll be working. I'll be working towards that one. But um, I mean, I, yeah, I, I I didn't expect to make it just because only the last half a year um this year is when i've actually started you know doing something um but but yeah i've i've i've, I've talked to yeah, the selectors have talked to me and they've just said yeah sort of explained it all um like i was in the in contention but these are the reasons and yeah what were the I, reasons I, Jess? I um they've they've been there before so they they had a really good those three girls had a really good um tournament away I think it was just a couple months ago Hmm. um and they were quite yeah they were quite good as as a team there so yeah I I I, I wouldn't I I wasn't complaining about it at all I think they'll do really really well well, we're complaining about it. Um, I think there's an opportunity of, <laughs> of improvement for them, um, bringing you into the team. Is is making a job out of this going pro a goal of yours? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I can't really think of anything else I'd want to do other than this. So, um, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't have a plan B. So I, I hope so. <laughs> Well, yeah, well, I was about to say, what are the pathways? Because I see uh, Vivian, who you beat um, in the final of the New Zealand Amateur, she's got a scholarship to go over to Washington. Is the college pathway the way, or, or how is there a different way that you can go about going pro? Yeah, it's, it's, it's different for everyone. I mean, it's, it's not it's, it's not hard to get a scholarship. She actually does have a real good one, but um, I did get offered one a year, I think a year and a half ago. Um, but it just wasn't for me at the time. Um, there's a there's a lot of studying to do, and I don't like studying. <laughs> um, so that just wouldn't have worked out in itself. Um, but other, even even with the golf, I think just because there's so many of them over there, unless you're already at the top, you're just going to get lost. Um, yeah, lost in the system just because there's so many people trying to do the same thing. Um, so yeah, and at, at the time I wasn't ready. My golf wasn't ready. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna take a different pathway and then. Just so so what's the things. what's the next couple of weeks look for you? The next month or so. Um. So I'm actually leaving to Melbourne tomorrow um, to play the Masters Amateurs, Australian Masters Amateurs, which I got in through winning uh, New Zealand Amateur. Um. So it's quite a big one which I'm excited for, and then Sydney the week after that for Australian Amateur, which is obviously like equivalent to NZ Amateur, but it is a bit bigger because, um, yeah, there's real good players playing. 
Oh, that, that, that sounds exciting. Um, another thing that's very exciting for people who can't play golf like you, like Manaya and myself, <laughs> is that I hear on the street that you are looking for a caddy. Is this a starting opportunity for someone like Manaya or myself mm. to, to get onto the circuit? <laughs> who told you that? <laughs> well, well, I heard Scott McLaren, uh, ex-Commonwealth oh, game decathlon, uh, decathlete, uh, was trying to apply for the job. So... Uh, so surely you're not taking him. Surely us, Manaya and I, we could come as a duo. Well, we'll have to because we can't both walk 18 by ourselves. <laughs> nine holes each. I'll do the front nine, Mitchell do the back, and yeah. Yeah. Just uh, swap poles in and out. Well, Jess was um, appalled when I told her that I had to use Vaseline for my chafing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's not really hot in Melbourne, so I'm not sure yeah. You can say no, Jess, it's fine. <laughs> couple of competitions you've got go well over in Australia hopefully you get a little bit of a break in between times to uh, mull over our offer of being dual uh, caddies as well thanks very much for your time this morning Jess no thank you for having me thanks very much that's Jessica Green New Zealand women's amateur golf champion I don't know that there's ever been a dual caddy situation I haven't heard of it if there's ever going to be one, it's going to be you and I. Yeah, how confusing for yeah. her. I can't read greens at all. <laughs> I don't even know how to mark a ball. Um, she'll turn around and look at me and be like, ah, don't worry, mate, I've got this. Yeah, you'd be like the um, Happy Gilmore caddy, right? Yeah. You just, yes. Yeah, yeah that's just exactly. Around, have no idea what you're doing. Well, and I want to do the front nine so I can hit the 19th straight afterwards. <laughs> you can do the back nine. Um, no, that's that's great. And it's, it sounds like she's going from strength to strength as well, mm. playing some great golf. And it's funny, whenever you talk to people who are very good at golf about what uh, the hacks need to work on, they always, because the things they work on are so unrelated to the average hack. Yeah. I'm trying to fix a slice that's going into the bush. She's working on that little 1% of like the mental game, staying focused, staying on task and that kind of thing. It's just a completely it's a completely different world, isn't it? Yeah, I, what I enjoyed about it was that just understanding that there are different pathways. Um, yeah. And it sounds like the pathways within New Zealand golf, particularly now with the women's side of the game, yeah. um, she loves golf is really taking off. So sure. um, the pathways are really starting to open up for young female golfers in particular. Uh, the maturity to turn down a scholarship um, because it wasn't quite right for her mm. at 19, I would not have been able to do that. If someone was just like, do you want to come play golf and we'll pay for your education? I'd be like, yep, and <laughs> not read the contract at all, sign it. You know, But for her, it's so well thought out. You know, to be like, this isn't quite the right fit for me. There are other ways to do this. Mm. And and the fact that she said, one of the interesting things she said was that she can't see herself doing anything else. There's no plan B. Yeah. You need that to be a professional athlete, don't you? There's probably no point in having a plan B at this point of time, like at 19 years old. Um, just quietly, mate, she's on a plus 3.8. Yeah, you were saying that before. I didn't even know they did pluses. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why, that's why we were... 
That's why we were so far ahead. Oh, I see. <laughs> she had to give me so many shots, mate. So you, you strike a couple out of the middle, you're all right, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, no, nah, brilliant. It was great to get her on. Um, another great get by you as well, Mitch. All right, we're going to turn our attention to cricket for the rest of the hour. We're going to go through the uh, Black Caps v Pakistan Day 4, Session 2 and 3 highlights right after this. And then we're going to be joined by one of our splendid commentary team. Uh, Jeremy Coney is going to join us at around the 9.30 mark. Get your texts in. Double eight double three on the temper and bedpost text line for uh, Jeremy Coney. If you've got any questions for him about how the Black Caps are tracking, you're listening to Mitch and Manaya for breakfast. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Manaya, Mitch, with you through until eleven o'clock. It is just coming up on nine twenty-seven on your Friday morning. It's the thirtieth of December, and we are in the break between day four and day five on the Black Caps v Pakistan Boxing Day Test match, Mitch. Um, people were calling this a little bit boring, but it's it's gotten a bit spicier over the last couple of sessions, hasn't it? It's actually it's actually turned into a game where we thought that, that there'll be a result. So um, I thought Ishadi was outstanding last night, and and we do have some great audio of from Daniel McCarty in the changing room. Henry's grinning from ear to ear. Latham too. Nichols, they're all supporting him. A little handshake, yeah, almost a smile from Williamson. He doesn't get emotional, even on dates. 540 for the loss of six. Have you got that again for us, Logan, that last little bit? Almost a smile from Williamson. He doesn't get emotional, even on dates. 540 for the loss of six. Don't we have the best commentary team in the game? <laughs> he would be hard. Like, imagine his partner. It must be hard to get a... <laughs> Do you reckon he, he, must, he mustn't verbalise? He must be a cuddler. Our is wedding vows. <laughs> <laughs> just a bit of a nod. Yeah, just a little nod. Raise yeah. the bat. Right, far out. And each Sodi's one of those emotional guys who like will be looking for like some positive affirmation. Is Imagine it, getting met with that. Yeah, he's quite a high energy operator, isn't he? <laughs> oh, he needs it. He needs to be on the highs. Needs the fizz. Needs yeah. the backing. You turn around and you get stonewalled by uh, by Kane. I kind of thought, you know, I was wondering if he'd lighten up a little bit now that he doesn't have the stress of captaincy on him anymore. But that just seems to be his nature. Yeah, obviously not, hey. <laughs> Working for him though. Not oh, having mate, the it's been brilliant, hasn't it? Yeah. It really seems to have like lifted that shackles. I think that's mm. his first hundred overseas for about four years. Yes, um, which is significant. So. Um, got on him, 200, not out. Um, fantastic that they declared on him, did a Davy Warner. Uh, looking at the Aussie looking at the Aussie star, um, game team, um, it was all over yesterday. So you are going to get Kieran and Louis on this afternoon mm-hmm. with no cricket on. Um, but Aussie only batted once, 157, declared for eight. Um, and Bolts South Africa out in the second innings for 204. There were another couple of games around the grounds yesterday. A couple of big bash games. Thunder uh, got up over the heat, a Munro-led heat. Uh, 48 off 53 not able to get his side over the line Daniel Sams 36 off 15 really set up that total for the Thunder Um, the Stars all bowled out for 135 Um, Jai Richardson was fantastic. He took four for 25, the Australian quick bowler, and the Scorchers chase it down convincingly, 136 for four, Ash Turner, 53 off 26. And in our local Super Smash, well, geez, uh, Dean Foxcroft, um, the South African import playing for Otago finally got back after COVID but after being locked out of the country for two years, uh, which right? is a fascinating story in itself. Uh, they wouldn't let him back in. 
I've heard um, a few stories about that, and they've actually both been South African as well. Yeah, he went back to see his family, and, and that's when we shut our borders, and he couldn't get back in, even though he was contracted to Otago. Oh. He hit 43 out 34. Ferguson with the best figures for the Aces, two for 26. They total was 165, which I thought would be chaseable for the Aces, but they were all out for 128. Dean Fox asked that man, 5 for 11. Wow. That's a day out, eh? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. He would have walked onto the golf course and had a hole in one, I think, if he, if he had of. <laughs> well, he wouldn't have gone to the golf course. And knowing Dean, he would have gone straight to the pub. Oh, deservedly so. <laughs> God, would that be one of the sweetest beers of all time after oh, putting figures like that? Mother's huh? neck there, right? <laughs> Brilliant. Um, yeah, so as we mentioned at the top there, the uh, Boxing Day test, Black Caps v Pakistan, uh, getting a little bit spicy. Chances of a result going up and up as we as we carry on on this one. We're going to go inside with our wonderful commentary team. We're going to talk to Jeremy Coney right after uh, Johnny Mack with news and sport. You're listening to Mitch and Manaya for breakfast. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every single day. Welcome back into the SNZ Breakfast Show with Mitch and Manaya. It's just gone 9.33. We're going to try and get hold of Jeremy Coney in just a few moments' time. SNZ cricket commentator, former Black Caps captain as well, to talk all things uh, Boxing Day test. Uh, yesterday we had sessions two and three. I believe we've got a quick highlight package uh, from the first of those sessions. On inside edge, just goes past the leg stump of Williamson. He's trying to dab it down towards third man and Hamza. Stands mid-pitch, hands on legs. Now gets out, puffs the cheeks out. He's still without a wicket, but it was very, very close from getting rid of the Centurion. Williamson gets a run for his trouble. There's a chance of a run out of the side. He's taken off. Abra picks it up on his follow-through and throws the ball back to Safaraz. The bales have been removed, and I think Sodi was comfortably back. Wider of off stump and playing down towards third man. Beautifully is just Sodi. He's going to get a boundary, and he's going to get another half century. That is his fourth in Test Match cricket. He's fought himself at times, but he's now starting to open up. And look at the smiles across the face of his uh, teammates in the changing room. Henry's grinning from ear to ear. Latham too. Nichols, they're all supporting him. A little handshake. Yeah. Almost a smile from Williamson. He doesn't get emotional, even on dates. 540 for the loss of six. And another boundary to Kane Williamson. He really is showing signs of putting the foot down. He's 146. 5-3-5 for the loss of six. The lead now 97. There's a uh, good delivery this time, but it's wide of gully. Slightly aerial. Sody's gone hard at it. Was just outside off stump and short of a length. Sodi's decided to come forward, hit it on the up, and it's been successful for him. He's 56, 564 for six. The lead, 126. Yeah, outside off stump and outside middle, quite close to gully. Or play a reverse sweep backward of point yeah. down towards the third yeah. man rope for four. He's got it past the lumbering Hamza, who just gives it up now and re recognizes he was never going to overhaul it. Well played, Kane Williamson. He's played some through extra cover, reverse sweep. He's dragged them from well wide of leg. Extraordinary stroke. Williamson to 171, 574 for six. The lead's 136. The reverse Williams. drive. Now we'll get an insight into the strategy, Richard. This will tell us. Well, and the next batter is who? It's going to be... Uh, Southie. Southie, yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to pick that Saudi will come out. Got underneath it. It's past all the uh, Falcons, the Shaheens, and straight into the hands of Shan Masood. So 
a slightly wasted experience uh, experiment from Southie. He's out for naught. It's 596 for seven, and we'll see if that brings about a declaration. The lead is 158, and Nauman happily picks up his uh, third wicket at a cost of 100. Oh, here's a, a around the wicket goes a bra, and Daniel McCarty's given it out in Wellington, but the umpire hasn't. Your finger went up like a. Sh it's a good reason why you're not an umpire, McCarty. It was uh, 597 for eight. Abra going round the wicket and Wagner reverse sweeping. Smissel off the gloves to first slip. Really, yeah, as Coney says, this is really useful stuff from New Zealand. It's been good, hasn't it? It's, well, it's a seven ball duck. Seven ball duck. Yeah, eight ball duck. Last ball of the over. Here's a back pad chance taken at short leg. Turned down, though, by umpire Wharf. No reviews left, of course. Richard Petrie shaking his head before the ball was even caught. You should be an umpire. Well, you can see that the... Uh... Safraz and Baba shaking heads themselves. Abra bowling and hitting inside and out. Glorious shot. One of the very best he's played. As he picks a gap at extra cover, finds the rope, moves to 199... Oh, that is wonderful to watch. 611 for the loss of nine. The lead, 173. Gets to the non-striker's end. Will he? Will he acknowledge anyone? He is so cool. He is so calm. He is so collected. He's a wonderful player, is Williamson. He's turned his 25th Test Match 100 into his fifth Test Match double 100. Finally, the helmet off. The bat raised. The emotionless Williams gives the faintest sign of a smile 200 of 393 balls yet 21 fours and one six that's how uh day four session two sounded uh brought to you by our SENZ commentary team they'll be back on air uh today with the rest of the test match which is hopefully heading for some sort of result, what that is is yet to be decided. Jeremy Coney, we are hoping to hear from um, in just a few moments' time. He might be able to shed some light on that. Uh, we'll see if we can get him up after these ads. Mitchum and I are with you through until eleven o'clock. All hour this hour, we are talking cricket. And Mitch, we've got a great text through from Patty. Uh, you were talking about the Heat versus the Thunder, not the NBA. Um, and Patty wants to know, Mitch, did you see the last over of the Heat versus the Thunder game? The rain was falling and the bowler chucked down two full tosses. One was a beamer and the umpires changed the ball. Mm. Is that fair? So he's changed the actual physical ball. Yeah, he has. Yeah, it was Andrew, uh, sorry, um, McAndrews bowling. Right. Um, and Nathan McAndrews who's bowling to Munners and he bowled a couple of, their full bunger. Um, and then obviously complained about the ball being wet. Yeah. So um, the umpires did change it. And it's it was a weird one because throughout the whole match last night, um, there was constantly rain falling down. Mm. Um, so it was it was definitely something that was throughout the whole game. And, and for them to change it in that last over, it actually, in, at the end of the day, it actually had a big impact on the game. Yeah, Colin Munro there on 98. Um, and Mick Andrews took three wickets straight after that as well to, to right? close the game out. So it's a massive advantage for a bowler like to get that dry ball because you saw the first couple of balls of that over. Um, he was slipping. Beamers. So, yeah, so he wasn't able to actually hit or bowl the deliveries that he wanted to bowl. So and, is that just as simple as the ball slipping out of his hand earlier than he's trying to release it? Absolutely, yeah. And it's almost one of those um, one of those things. So um, I remember the first time I ever 
trained um, bowling with the wet ball was um, T20 World Cup in Bangladesh, I think 2013. Um, and uh, we actually trained with wet balls at training. Trying to like uh, change your grip on the ball, either having more fingers on the ball, uh, holding it back further in your palm so it didn't slip out of your fingers. So it's all like a, it was, it's an all learning the skill of bowling with the wet ball. And in that scenario last night where it was raining most of the game, I don't agree with the bowler having an advantage over every other bowler that bowled that night. And how do you, as the umpire, decide when you're going to make that change as well? Presumably the ball has been varying degrees of wet for the wet whole the whole innings. time, yeah. yeah. it's um, It happens often, right, in all sports. There's a big decision that gets made at the end of the game mm. that because someone's putting pressure on you. And after that beamer, I'd imagine that they, well, you saw it. Like mm. they, they were going to the umpire, saying it's slippery, saying it's slippery. They would have been then doing that overs and overs before. Mm-hmm. Brendan McCullum was one of the best exponents of that when he was test captain for New Zealand. Really? If the ball didn't swing for Southie and Bolt, he'd be at the, at the umpire every over, every over at mid-off being like, mate, change the ball, change the ball, it's out of shape. Every ball he'd throw it to the end of the over, change the ball, and they'd eventually give in. So if you yeah. put enough pressure on the umpire, um, they're people, right? Yeah, and they, they make bad mistakes. And then that's when Saudi and Bolte get a new ball, it'd, be, it'd swing and yeah. they'd take wickets. Start right? hoping. But I, as, a, as an umpire, wouldn't you not want to be part of the last over? You know what I mean? When they look back on this game, they d- I don't want my name being part of that last over. Having played in the Big Bash... Some of the biggest egos that I've met in the Big Bash are the umpires. Is that right? Yeah, that's shocking, mate. I suppose you'd need to have that to to fully back yourself on any call. But what I wanted to know is, wouldn't the ball just get wet again? You bring a new ball out, what's that going to do? Yeah, well, the leather goes real soapy, right? It goes real, like, slippery. So if it was quite wet then um, getting a dry ball, you're going to be able to use the towels that you always see them have, yep. keep it dry enough or the seam dry enough without like water getting under the lacquer and getting that right. leather. Yeah, so um, you're going to be able to manage it for a couple of overs at least, keeping yep. that ball dry enough to get a grip of it. So, so it's, it's soaked as opposed to just a bit of surface soaked water. Soaked as opposed to, yeah, surface water. You can get off with the towels. But, yeah, it's a fascinating one because um, the other part of it is like the bowler's got to change the ball there. Um Batters, if the ball goes into the stadium, reverse swing used to be a big thing in one-day cricket. Mm. Um, sometimes it comes back scuffed, and they change the ball all the time straight away. I was like, well, surely that's part of it as well. Like, if you have to bowl with a wet ball, you should be allowed to bowl with a scuff ball from yeah. the stadium. Well, which... spirit of thought for David Warner has been sandpapering the ball all innings. <laughs> now I've hit it into the crowd, and he he has to sandpaper a whole new ball. <laughs> yeah, it's taken Mitchell Stark four years to come back and take some wickets after that. What happened? What's the difference? I can't. I don't understand it. Mitchell Stark. <laughs> no idea. It oh, was, now? It, well, no, it was just hooping at one point. Yeah, mate, now he was, he was the best test bowler in the world, wasn't he? I can't and figure went, it out. Yeah, no idea. No idea. No, that's very interesting, Mitch. Um, that, that's the kind of insight you get when you talk to someone who's actually done it rather than, um, you know, you're just down at the park playing club cricket. <laughs> you just play with whatever ball you can find. What? What? In that instance, if you're swapping the ball out, you don't just get a new ball, do you? You would try and find one as close to the same... They try and find one close to the to the same. Yeah, um, we had a real fascinating um, situation, like way back when they started changing the balls um, at thirty over mark in one day cricket. Yeah, they used to do two balls, and now they've got two balls at both ends. But they used to change it at thirty overs to stop um, the ball reverse swinging. 
And right. I remember when I was playing for CD, we were playing at Palmy North, which you would have seen on the TV the other day in domestic cricket when the Stags played Wellington. Um, they didn't have any old balls. They were 30 overs old. So a, someone's bright idea was to get a new ball, bounce it on the concrete, um, <laughs> and try to rough it up. Like break so it actually, in. <laughs> so you get to the 30th over, and the ball was scuffed but it was brand new, so the seam was still hard and you had scuffed up marks on the ball and it actually reversed more. So <laughs> what they were trying to take out of the game, they actually made worse. They might as well have just <laughs> yeah. taped one side of it and said, oh, here you yeah, go. Yeah, here you go. Yeah. <laughs> Get that one hooping around. That is very interesting. Uh, if you've got any more texts, uh, any questions that you want to run past Mitch, um, plenty of cricket going on at the moment. Uh, fire those in, double eight, double three. Or give us a call on the Kennards Hire phone line, 0800 150 811. That's 0800 150811. Quick air break. We'll be right back here on Mitch and Manaya for breakfast. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. SENZ, we're with you through until 11 o'clock. We're taking your texts on the Timber Bedpost text machine, 8833. Uh, if you've got any cricketing related questions, fire them in. Anthony's fired one in, Mitch. Hey, guys. Um, and by guys, he means you. Why do test batsmen do reverse sweeps? Dear God, at least every fourth go at it, players go out or nearly go out. Madness. Maybe I'm old school. You're doing a great job. Cheers, Anthony. Really, really good question. Mm. And it's it's one of those things that irks me about um, the coverage of test cricket or all cricket in general is that you can't actually see the field often. Yeah. So I'd love to see a different camera for the field because the reason for the word uh, reverse sweep is some like if you hit it well, it's it's a scoring option, mm. right? Um, but most of the time, when people aren't are playing the reverse sweep, there's only one person at backward point. So what happens there is it allows a team to have another person on the leg side. Um, so when you're like. Uh, that's the leg side generally against spin. You can turn the turn the ball into the leg side off your hip, and that's an easy one. But often they'll block that gap because you'll be playing with the spin. So they want to make sure that you can't get off strike. So they'll only have one point. But if you play a reverse sweep and you beat that man at the one point, mm. they end up taking out the mid wicket or the short leg and moving them over, over to there. point. So they have two people in that position. So that means you're less risky get-off-strike single mm. um, is into that now vacant mid-wicket spot or the short legs out of there. So they have to right. make a field change. And so you'll see that a lot in T20 cricket. They'll try, uh, or one-day cricket, they'll try block up that mid-wicket so you can't get off-strike because you want dot balls, particularly mm -hmm. in test cricket as well. Yes. Um, but if you play the reverse sweep, they have to move that man across to the other side. So is it a, w a way of dictating the field as yeah, a batsman? It's, a, it's more of like a, a shot to manoeuvre the field. Um, so all your best players will always talk about trying to manoeuvre the field. Um, Ross Taylor, they uh, you always you could bank on if you watch him now in the Super Smash. Mm. If they don't have a short fine leg to Ross Taylor, he'll paddle sweep first ball every time because he wants them to put a short square leg in so mm. he can actually open move the field around so he can get that slog sweep away with a few extra gaps or he can hit through the offside and get off strike easy. So that's why we're seeing it more and more because it was a T20 uh, shot for a long time and yes. now it's starting to creep into uh, yeah. as you as you mentioned a bit more restrictive fields do you think in test matches? Yeah, I, I think yeah, guys are really trying to choke Guys, particularly on turning wickets, they're trying to make sure they can't get off strike. So it's a, a, a delivery to get you off strike, but move the field so it's easy to get off strike. Flip side of that, uh, could you then as a bowling team set up a field in such a way that you're trying to get the player to play a reverse sweep? Absolutely. Because it, it is still a risky shot, isn't it? Absolutely. So um, we tried it with Otago for Ross, knowing that he paddles sweeps 
first ball every time we did it at Pukekura Park. And I told our slip to stand deeper and then basically look at trying to start running once the ball's been bowled. Right. So, like, what? Knowing, cover... knowing that Ross would, like, uh, try and reverse sweep. And if he gloved it at all, you might get a catch from the slip running across. So you can set fields as a cricketer. Running across to the leg side. To the leg side. You've wow. seen some of those catches before where the keeper can, like, go across. I have, but I've never seen them leave before. Yeah, so, yeah. like, it's uh, trying to get, like, you can do that. So you can actually play tactics, put gaps for guys to play certain shots and bowl a different delivery or get your fielders to start moving. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, thanks very much for the text there, uh, Anthony. We greatly appreciate that. Feel free to fire any more through if you've got them. Double eight. Double three. Uh, we'll go to the last air break of the hour. We'll be right back after this. Air break here. Uh, we news, don't brother. have another air break. So we're going to go to the news in about a minute. <laughs> well, that's good. Well, we actually do have a clip because uh, yesterday when we were on air, um, we spoke to your boy Q about uh, the Raiders, and we have a clip from. Um, obviously, I don't think anybody was excited about it in here. Um, you know, him being one of one of my really good friends, and you know the reason why I came here in the first place. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't be here right now if he wasn't the you know if he wasn't here. So um, I think everybody knows how I feel about him. And with that said, there's a process of how things go, and I'm not gonna sit here and, and go on and on. But obviously, I support my guy, and we got to finish the season out you know the best way we can possible with you know all things considered at this point. But uh, yeah. So that was Devontae Adams talking about Derek Carr, and we asked that question yesterday. Would he stay at the Raiders uh, if Derek Carr was not there next year? Yes. Is he? He's with Johnny. <laughs> welcome back in, or if you're just joining us, welcome to the Mitchum and I show on SENZ. We're with you for one more hour and a jam-packed hour it is. We're talking tennis later on uh, with Brett Phillips, SEN tennis commentator leading up to the Australian Open and of course the ASB Classic uh, here in New Zealand. Plus we're going to get a love racing update with Louis Herman Watt who I know is jazzed up uh, this week about this weekend's racing action. We talked to Butch Castles earlier. He also fizzed uh, for that one so hopefully we can get a few winners for you. I know you've frantically been not noting a few down there Mitch. That's what the, the pen and paper was invented for, Manoa. <laughs> um, I'll be taking a screenshot of that after the show as well, see if I can't find a winner. Uh, but joining us right now is Kyle Jamison, of course, Black Cap and uh, Chennai Super King now, picked up by Stephen Fleming's uh, team, one of the two Kiwis drafted in the uh, auction. Do we say drafted? Uh, I digress. He's with us now. G'day, Kyle. How are you getting on? Hey, guys. Yeah, not too bad. Thanks. How are you? Yeah, we're bloody good, mate. Look, um, we're all about hard-hitting questions mm. to start off our interviews. Um, and I thought I'd ask the most important one. You got picked up for a couple of mil a couple of years ago. Um, what did you spend your first million on? <laughs> uh, I got a house. Uh, so, yeah, nothing, nothing too uh, extravagant, I think. Nothing too crazy, but, yeah. A, li- a little bit boring. You must have bought something, must have bought something stupid, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of things we got, but that was the first, the first thing. Just make sure you are yeah, a little bit smart, smart with your money. Um, true. You're doing too, too stupid. That's true. So that does have a follow-up question. What did you spend your second million on? <laughs> oh, I was sort of shared around a little bit. I think the uh, probably the the most out there thing is I got a, a barrel of whiskey. So um, that's probably the. I think the answer you're probably searching for, Mitch, I'm not sure. <laughs> a whole exactly barrel, what he was looking that for, is. Yeah. A whole barrel. What are we talking? A whole barrel. 
Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's sitting in the um, Kajona Distillery. So aging is about a, um, eighteen months old now. So um, got to wait a little bit. Wait till it gets about ten years plus. So, ten years plus. Um, That's outstanding. Yeah. It's a hell of an investment. Yeah. Yeah, so that'll be good. I'm sure it'll be good in a few years' time to uh, crack that open. What's um, what's that set someone back? Uh, I don't know if you can answer oh, this. A little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit. Not, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure you, um, you can do the research. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's awesome, mate. Hey, that's really cool. Is that always something that you've been interested in? Yeah, yeah. It was a little bit. Um, it was quite good. Like a, um, the week before that auction, I was um, down there with my partner and her family, and we did a. Um, did a tour through the um, through the facility, and we sort of uh, joked about the time that we said if the auction goes quite well, that we um, that we get a barrel, which I guess to um, signify the moment. And then, yeah, it went uh, it went quite well, so um, had to um, had to yeah, I guess follow through with that. Well, Bro, that's so cool. Well, that's so cool. And a pay rise for whatever uh, tour guide took you through there to, to show you around the uh, the aging room. <laughs> um, yeah. And then what? Are you going to put the barrel in your house once it's? Because uh, obviously it needs to stay where it is while it's in the aging process. Then what? Does it get bottled up, or are you going to have the thing in your house and and pour a glass out of the cask? How, how are you going to do this? Yeah, it all gets um, it all gets bottled up. So you just um, it, yeah, um, it's quite a cool process. You can go through the whole bottling and um, and labelling and sort of um, yeah, and design that all yourself. So um, once we get to that point, we'll yeah, bottle it all up, and I'm sure we'll uh, give a a few away and we'll have a, um, a few drinks with friends and family and um, have a good time I'm sure. Well we've just made a new friend in Manaya. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're best mates now. Um, no that's that's that is I thought you were going to say something I don't know like a new set of golf clubs or a I guess that's just how limited my thinking is. I would never have thought to buy a cask of whiskey, but it's um, it's brilliant mate. Hey um, let's move on to some actual sporting related uh, things. How's the back feeling? Yeah, yeah, it's feeling good. Um, yeah, certainly. Um, obviously, it's been a bit of a long process to get back to um, get back to playing, but I'm certainly not far away at all. I've been full noise for the last couple of weeks, and um, yeah, it's been feeling feeling really, really good. So um, yeah, it's nice to be nice to be at the um, you know, I guess the back end of it all. It's um, obviously yeah, been a long sort of six and a half months, but um, yeah, getting close now. What is the um, process or what, what kind of plan have you had put in place? Um, are you doing that with yourself or are you working through that with NZC? And, and is there a, is there a, are they pulling you back? Are they trying to stop you from playing a little bit earlier than you would like perhaps? Well, I think, uh, yeah, I think when you've been out of the game for six and a half months, you, you, you know, you're always, um, always pretty keen to get back on the park. But no, it's been a good, uh, good process, very, um, I guess, uh, collaborative process, you know, from myself and NZC and of, um, you know, had Shane Bond for the last sort of um, ten weeks as well, basically working alongside me. So, yeah, just talking to you know, talking to everyone. Obviously, there's a few um, few people that are you know obviously interested in um, you know wanting to make sure that you get back out and do it in a um, in a sustainable way. So, um, yeah, I'm always keen to get back out in the park, but uh, just yeah, obviously trying to keep the um, you know the bigger picture um, in um, in perspective. Yeah, talking about the bigger picture, um, you've been phenomenal for New Zealand, particularly in Test cricket. Is there? Um, are you at the point where you're going to look at limiting playing in other formats until you feel like you're ready to go and fully fit uh, to be able to play across all three three formats? Oh, uh, I don't know. Really, it's probably a good question. I think with the nature of the schedules and stuff nowadays, I'm sure those questions will be asked more and more. But you know, certainly from where I'm sitting right now, you know, having um, having a fair bit of time out of the game, you you know, I'm, I'm just happy to play whatever cricket I can. So um, yeah, you know, like you always want to challenge yourself around. 
around the different formats and um, you know I'm certainly only um, only 28 so I've got a few more years left and want to um, you know play as much cricket as I can. You talk about playing as much cricket as you can and in different formats what about different levels I understand you've been uh, turning out for your local club team? I have yeah I had uh, I had three weeks of club cricket um, with Weedens down in Christchurch so um, it was good to good to just get back out in the park and just um, be in and around you know um, a team environment you know which I hadn't been a part of for a while so uh, it was uh, yeah, it was awesome to be back out there and um, you know playing with playing with some good mates and yeah just having a bit of fun. And um, do you have a date to return for the Auckland Aces, mate? Uh, not not set in stone, but it'll be oh yeah, it'll be a, um, over the next couple of weeks. So we're still working through all, through all that. There's uh, there's some people that want to you know I want it to be the you know um, I guess the back end of those two weeks. I'm I'm wanting to play yesterday, so we we just <laughs> uh, we're just making sure we do it. Um, you know, do it properly, and you know, I've obviously got to got to trust them. Um, you know, they're probably a little bit more, um, you know, objective with it. You know, where I'm a little bit probably more, um, yeah, I guess, um, yeah, emotional around it than than what they mm. are. Yeah, absolutely. Have you been watching the? Uh, I mean, I'm sure you have. What are your thoughts on the uh, Boxing Day Test Black Hats in Pakistan? Yeah, it's been it's been good. Obviously, it looked uh, looked reasonably flat for those first few days. It was good to um, good to see the boys sort of. I guess grind away and then get a lead and stuff. So I think it'll be interesting, interesting last day. I think it's all set up there, um, you know, there for the taking, especially if those, um, you know, the boys with the, um, you know, uh, the spin and stuff can grab a few um, early on day five. And I think it really, um, you know, the game's in New Zealand's favour. So um, it's certainly there for the taking, I think. And it'll be, um, yeah, obviously quite, um, quite an interesting watch, um, you know, come tonight. Said um, what I found interesting as someone I've worked closely with and I've, I've learned a lot off. Um, you spoke about Shane Bond. Um, have how good have those last ten weeks been? And have you guys set targets like in terms of um, what you feel like you might need to improve on in other facets of your game to to take yourself to that next level, particularly in white ball cricket? Oh man, he's so good. You know, you know that much. He's he's just he's an absolute wizard. So to have him um, have him in my corner for the last ten weeks has been outstanding and. Just the specificity around what we've been able to work on and improve on, you know, both technically and tactically, and um, just having him there, you know, each day as I'm bowling and sort of, you know, to bounce ideas off has been, has been great. And um, yeah, just being able to, you know, work around, you know, some white ball stuff, and that's probably um, been the, been the focus for the last sort of mm-hmm. ten weeks is how do we, um, I guess, incorporate some of those white ball skills and just to, just to make sure that you've got everything you need, um, you know, to play all three forms. So uh, he's been, he's been gun and just to, yeah, I've been, yeah, I guess. Super fortunate to have him in my corner. Yeah, what what specifically were you guys targeting? Around the white ball stuff? Yeah. Oh, just, you know, I guess some of those variations and stuff and just actually, you know, putting some volume into that as well. And, um, yeah, it's nothing nothing probably too crazy that's, you know, different, but, you know, side balls, Yorkers, that sort of stuff. Tactically, how do you uh, do things a little bit, the um, angles and the crease, that sort of thing. And, um, but, yeah, just to, just to have someone like him there all the time so you're not sort of, you know, getting through overs where um, you drift a little bit, every ball is very specific. So, um, yeah, certainly feel like I've, um, you know, come on a long way just with his help in the last um, sort of 10 weeks. Oh, perfect. And you've been following the Super Smash. Um, how do you feel like the Auckland Aces have been going this year? Yeah, they've been, um, been all right. Obviously had a, a bit of a tricky tricky start to the season, but obviously um, had a good win um, at Hagley the other night. And, um, yeah, I guess unfortunately dropped that one last night, but, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure with the roster they've got and the players they've got around there, and um, you know they've you know they've won a fair bit of cricket over the last couple of years. So um, yeah, 
yeah, I'm sure once they once they get rolling, it'll be hard to stop. Um, obviously, we spoke about Shane Bond, another great of New Zealand cricket is Stephen Fleming. You're going to be joining him at um, Chennai Super Kings along with Mitchell Satner and Devin Conway. Uh, has he given you a phone call and, and what are you looking to, to learn off Stephen when you get over there? Yeah, yeah, I spoke to Fleming a few times. I uh, spoke to him um, uh, pre-auction. He was just trying to get a gauge, I guess, around around where I was at, having having not played for a wee while. But, yeah, spoke to him um, after the auction and, yeah, obviously very fortunate that he that he showed some interest and picked me up and, um, you know, such a good franchise to go to and he, um, yeah, and he certainly runs a pretty good cutter. So just to, just to get in there and just, um, you know, learn off some of those class players that I've got in that set up and, you know, I'm certainly, certainly looking forward to and can't wait to get over there in a couple of months' time. Well, it's been great to uh, have you on the show, Kyle, and I think I speak for uh, both of us in the cricket-watching uh, public when I say that uh, we're very much looking forward to seeing you back out on the park for, for the Black Caps, so go well with the rest of the recovery, and, uh, yeah, look forward to seeing you out there. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Kyle Jamison there, as you mentioned, Mitch, uh, newly of the Chennai Super Kings mm. as well. Um, the, the, the Draft Brothers are complete aside, but uh, the auction model, it just... It makes it hard to get them on board behind a team because the players change around so much. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, Is that, I can only imagine what it's like as a player. I think it's driven by um, the top teams would love to actually have a longer period of time and, yeah. and more have like a draft type thing where you can, rather than being an auction, they'd yeah. like to because for the brand. Yes. I know Mumbai was massive on wanting to keep the same all players. the guys they brought through or have a right to keep them. Yeah. Um, keep that same brand, because it's brand value, right? Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, it is hard for the fans, and that's the main thing, right? Um, player-wise, it is it is tough if you end up at a stink team <laughs> <laughs> with, like, coaches who don't, don't help you do the prep and stuff like that. Yeah. But I think this time around at Chennai, um, it'll be good good for KJ to, to go to a team that's had pretty, pretty stable um, coaches over yes. the years, and, and Flem's there, obviously. And, yeah. Geez, to get in a changing room with someone like uh, MS Tony oh. and see how he runs the game and how calm he is, that'll be bloody awesome as well. There's one other aside um, just on MS Tony. The most fascinating thing about him to me, he always looks like he's just gone to the bottom of the team's gear bag and just grabbed whatever. <laughs> you know, he, sloppy kit. You yeah, reckon? he always just walks out with like that. That it looks like his pads would have buckles on the back of them. You know, a, a bat that everyone else is using the same innings. So a lot of your bat sponsorships for anyone coming up, like there's mm. some cash involved. Some some of the guys like who are better batsmen, and he got to the point where he's obviously got so much money that um, he just went to all the bat makers and he was seen a couple of years ago, like Bass, SS, SG. He went to them all and just said, "Send me your best bats." If they're the best bats, I'll use them. Don't need to pay me. Wow. So, so different games at different points of the innings. He was using like a different branded bat where uh, you always see like, or everyone's always like head to toe, toe grey nicks or yes, New Balance or yeah. SG or something like that. He was just picking the best bats. So bat makers were just sending them like the best sticks they possibly could. And, and uh, he would just use whichever one he thought was the best. Okay. Well, could he do it's the same? It's a great way to go about it, right? It's tri- well, <laughs> look, if if you've got the money, if you've got the bank balance to do it, yeah, absolutely. But I, I wouldn't recommend it for an up-and-coming. Well, it runs uh, of your currency. Runs hey. of your currency. So, like, you know, these guys get tied into, like, Kookaburra or a different brand. Yeah. And if they start not scoring runs, they start getting sent worse bats. And then you can't can't. Yeah, you do, bro. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, you do. Wow. You'll actually find a lot, a lot of guys who start not scoring runs get worse bats. They'll actually go and buy a better bat. Better bats. Oh, my uh, God. And then sticker it up. The irony of um, him not taking any money for that is that that's the best endorsement, the best brand deal for whatever bat he chooses 
to play with. 100%. So they've got to send the best stuff, right? Yeah. (laughs) It's so good. It's so good. What a unique situation. Um, It was really great to have a chat to Kyle James. It doesn't sound like he's too far away, and it also sounds like he is itching to get back out there. So It's probably not a bad tour to miss this one to Pakistan as a fast bowler. I don't think he'd be too gutted (laughs) sitting there there watching. Jeez, hey, we could see him line up against um, the English cricket team um, in February. Which I think would be outstanding. Hopefully, hopefully he's got those loads up by then because he'll be a massive asset in that series. Absolutely. You're listening to Izzy and Kemby for breakfast. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Louis Herman Watt with the Love Racing update right after this. 10.24 on the breakfast show with Mitch and Manaya. A very excited Louis Herman Watt has just tap danced into the studio. It seems like a lucrative uh, weekend or a week of uh, racing and punting for Louis. This is your Love Racing update. Um, Louis... Everything you touch is turning to gold at the moment. Oh, we've just had a moderately all right week. And we've been close as well. Like, it could have been pretty big. But no, the racing, I, I just think it's the tracks are really good. The so there's tra- no surprises out there? Nah, we're not getting surprises. The, the, we've finally got the good form coming to the fore. Um, and how's this? I'm on after you boys today, 3 till 3 o'clock. There's actually two race meetings today. One oh. Kura. Oh, tremendous, yeah. I'm yeah, a big fan of that. Yeah. Yep. Great course there. Technically, Kura's in South Canterbury. It is. So technically, Richie McCall's from South Canterbury. Very controversial, though, isn't it? It is, yep. Um, technically part of Waimati, my hometown's district as well. Uh, although, actually, Kura's on the other side of the... Uh, look, I digress. Uh, it's technically on the other side of the Waitaki, so it's North Otago, uh, the Hacker Valley, which is on our side. That's where Richie's from. Carry on, Kura races. <laughs> so today, that's right, the Kura races, and then there's actually the Topol races as well. So, like, if you were expect, we will do some sport today after eleven. We'll talk some tennis. We'll talk some cricket. Um, oh man, some good results. Some 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 great individual performances in the Super Smash at the moment. Dean Foxcroft, outstanding. Yesterday. So we've we got, got him on, dude. We got him on. Oh, beautiful! I was just saying to him and I, we need to get in touch and get the man on. Well, he, Outstanding. He's had it. He's five foot, and then he's hit forty odd. I know. I know. That's a Can day you, out. Yeah, and I'm, geez, and I'm so stoked for him because he was so gutted um, when he got locked out of the country. So that's something you should touch on. What's as he? Well. What's happened to him? So he got locked out of the country uh, for two years through our COVID stuff. He went back home to see his family. And because he was on a um, a what a visitor? Vis- visitor visa, like while he's applying for his res- residency, um, couldn't get back into the country. They wouldn't let him back in. Was he Even though he cricket? had a contract for Otago, yeah. Had a contract for Otago and they had to rip it up. Um, and I know he was very, very upset about that. And he was su- he's such a big factor for Otago, right? Huge. Yeah, he's massive. And, and he will play for New Zealand. He's going to be – he will play for New Zealand. Write that down. Yeah. Declared. Yeah. Labelled one there. Yeah. Clip that up. So we've got a bit of sport, but basically we're running a bootleg good oil show because <laughs> we've got two thoroughbred meets on. So we'll be taking race commentaries. We'll be punting. Um, and I can't wait. But you actually have something for me. Yeah, we had Butch on this morning. So I want to. Ah, Butcher. <laughs> I know you know him well. And uh, I thought I'd just run past a couple of his picks that he had outside of the main event. Um, obviously, the railway this weekend or New Year's Day. Um, he said race eight, Platinum Invader, was a really, really good punt each way. And you just, you'd be a madman to disagree. Platinum Invader, <laughs> it's, he's come back, he's going super. Uh, up in the weights, like, is up in the weights. But to be honest, on a good track, I think Platinum Invader with Jonathan Riddell, strong rider, knows the horse well, is a great each-way bet. It, it's, I mean, it depends what you like, though, because if, if you like on these distance races, this is the Windsor Park Stud 
Queen Elizabeth II Cup, Group 3. Uh, if you like these horses that get down in the weights, like people will be looking at self-obsession at 54 and a half. Um, people will be looking at Charm Star, the other Lisa Ladder runner, or Dionysus um, for Roger James and Robert Wellwood with Warren Kennedy riding, and they'll be saying, yeah, with the weight relief. But honestly, Platinum Invader, the way it's going, I think he's a real chance at 6 bucks and 230 Are you a man who likes to fill your kitty at the end of the day in the last, or do you steer away if, if you made some cash? It, it depends how many vessels have been deleted, deleted. responsibly mm-hmm. after having gambling responsibly. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, but Butch has obviously got a shorter odds one in the in the last race ten. He's gone Astron two dollars eighty for the win and a dollar forty five thoughts. Yeah, look, talented horse, um, really really good this preparation. Third up today, so we'll be fit. Cody Cole can train. Got the informed Craig Grills riding. Again, though, the only thing, and it's got, got a good draw, so I don't know how much this matters. 59 kgs, and what's this? It's fourth ever start. It's rating 65, so it's gone up into the grades. It's it's starting to kind of go straight through. I just looked down. Horses like If In Doubt Dance um, on 57. Jack the Lass for Chris Wood, who I know Butch likes another one of. Divine Sever, they're all down there just to cut with a couple of kgs off, but I can't knock it, and it's a really talented horse. Another Redwood, by the way. So I don't know if Butch is on the Redwood pay scale at the moment because he's tipping Platinum Invader by Redwood and in the last Astron by Redwood. So no. Before we get into your tips for today, mm-hmm. um, I know you're going to give some away a little bit <laughs> later. Do people who come on radio ever like punt out another horse? Knowing that it's going to push the odds out of the one that they actually want, I'll just as I think a non. Brandon Popperwell does from time does to time. <laughs> is it a thing? Do people actually do it? Oh, I, th- I think. <laughs> Mate, if you were that good, <laughs> sorry, I want to know because I'm not a I'm not a if horse you were, runner, so. If you were, that, it's hard enough to pick a winner. I don't think people are. Although Lou's got bright red, yeah. <laughs> I don't think people are that good that they can be like, oh, I'm going to blast the odds out on this one. Yeah. Look, I think for the most part you find people pretty honest. Yeah. But there has been times where I've gone, do you really think that's going to win? <laughs> <laughs> like, so you're starting to get the reads so that you're yeah, like, ah, that's like, the that's, opposite info. Like, We're jumping on this. It's No, I mean, no, no, not really. No, for the most part, look, the industry's too small for that sort of thing. It's too hard. You can call mm. out doing it. And I don't think, as Manaya said, it's too complicated. <laughs> Trying to find a winner's hard enough. Yeah. But it's a good question. Today, actually, today, how's this? There's the Topol Cup today, $70,000. It's good prize money down there, and it's a good three. It is a hot baking day in the middle of the North Island. And how's this? Everything in the market is pretty cool, either drifting or staying rock solid. Rua Rocks is 650 into 550, and Kelsey Hannon, who is a superb young rider, I think she's only 19 or 20. She's an apprentice. She's, um, she's going super. She's the hot jock today, so you can back her, and if she runs third, second, third, or fourth, you get your money back in a bonus bet. So Rua Rocks is 650 into 550, but Tutukaka is eight dollars into three sixty. Eight bucks into three sixty. Wow. That is a proper market move. Because nothing yeah. else in, there's been no scratchings, nothing else in the market is moving. Well no, it's because Mitch was tipping it out before. So he's just trying to smash the <laughs> he's trying to smash the price out. Well, Tutukaka ran well last year. Yeah, it was gonna be a it got scratched out of the derby and it would have been a genuine chance to win the New Zealand Derby. I tell you what's happened here, I think the Tony Pike barn are pretty keen on Tutukaka because Pikey is an honest trainer and he if he was on, he would probably say 
judging by this market move, you'd probably say, yeah, he's ready to go a huge race today. So that's the market move. That's the one to watch. The good race today is race six. The racing, the rating 75. This is a really interesting race. Zaitaku, fresh up. One here, fresh up. Um, has has one fresh up. It's one on the course for Tiako, so no issue with Zaitaku at six fifty two dollars ten. That'll probably get a bit of my each way money. Mascarinto, the big threat down there at three dollars. And at Kurao, well, we've got Andrew Carsten on just after eleven a.m. and we'll get his best because he's got a big team going down. So stay tuned if you want to have a bet at the home of. Rich, the great Richie McCaw. Richie McCaw. Mm. In South Canterbury's Although, finest town. Technically. <laughs> Should be north side of the river. It's, um, it's a look, this. If you had to guess what you think he's going to tap out for Kurao, what do you... What? Anything grab your attention down there? I'll let him do it. Okay. All right. We're looking forward to that. We'll let you get back to your uh, planning. Louis on from 11 o'clock through until 3. Sounds like an absolutely stellar show as well as some tips. I'll be listening in for that one. We're going to go to Johnny Max News, but Zane, we see you on the line. He wants to talk black caps. We'll go straight to him right after this. Manaya Mitch in with you for the next 20 minutes. It has just gone 10.38 on SCNZ Breakfast. We go to the phone lines now. Zane, I understand you got a couple of questions or or talking points around the Black Caps? Yeah, well done in getting up early in the morning to keep us amused over the New Year period, guys. Much appreciated. Thank you. Well, to... Team's done well, haven't they? Well, it wasn't easy, Zane, I'll be honest. I've turned I've turned a few alarms off this morning, but we're here and we're doing it. Wait till you get to 49, mate. Wake up early is not a problem. <laughs> can't do it anymore, mate, I tell you. <laughs> hey, uh, question for Mitch on the cricket. I was um, watching last night there as Kane got pretty close to the 200 and... Um, just shook my head in astonishment. I won't ask him to comment directly on those who did it, but um, Saudi and Wagner, mate, playing two ridiculous shots that you feel like they could have just tapped it out to give them a bit more of a chance. So, um, yeah, I'm curious what the policy is when you've got a guy who's getting close to 200 like that and you're not really in a pivotal point of the game. Hmm. Are you meant to hang around and help the guy do it or you, you just, like, go for gold anyway? Yeah, it's a it's a tough one, right? Um, ideally, well, we'd all like to, to be there to... To be able to see Kane through to his his two hundred, um, I guess sometimes in those situations, guys who don't have the ability to defend have to attack, um, which is is one of those things, right? Saudi <laughs> didn't have the ability to defend, and nor did Wagner. Um, the other thing as well, like with that lower order, um, when Baz came in as skipper, there was a thing for there was a, a thing put in place for the lower order to try and score as many runs as they could as quickly as they could. And that's how New Zealand used to advance the game under under Bears and then under Kane, um, because the guys couldn't defend. Um, it was about getting as yeah, many runs as you could sense. from the last three or four batsmen. So I can only imagine that they're probably trying to take that same strategy. We as cricket fans would wanted Kane to get that two hundred. Thankfully, he did. AJ stuck around for eight balls. Uh, but on the team side of things, I think they were just trying to get as many runs as they possibly could, knowing that they were going to get out anyway. Probably at some point, if they defended. So hopefully yeah. that answers your question. What are you, what were your thoughts? Yeah, yeah mate, to be fair, I guess Kane's probably the guy who's the least likely to actually care about something like that. He's more, you know, you see the level of excitement in, in an emergency one night, or he might actually, like, raise a smile. But, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, um, no, it's good to see the boys, like, particularly someone like him and Warner both getting a lot of stick over the past couple of weeks. People have short memories and start claiming they're over the hill and wanted to give them the boot. So it's kind of ironic they both stood up on the same weekend and, show what they're really worth to get a few people off their back so well done to them and uh, hopefully the boys can kind of fire up the ball tonight and uh, get a result absolutely cheers for your call and and actually funnily enough they're actually quite close mates david warner and and kane williamson so that's a funny one for you 
Yeah. yeah. No, I wouldn't have thought that. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for your thoughts, Zane. Yeah, yeah you happy too, New mate. Year's, mate. Um, greatly appreciate your time on the show this morning. Um, yeah, don't, I mean, feel free to get in touch. 0800 811. It's very interesting what you mentioned about the, um, might as well just give the tail enders a crack. Just have a go. <laughs> well, what else are you just hoping do? that like, a plink one, it doesn't go to the fielder in the deep and then he's on strike? That yeah. could have been a strategy as well. But yeah, they didn't have the ability to defend. So, no. um, yeah, sometimes. I don't think I've ever seen Trent Bolt play a forward defensive. <laughs> No, and you don't want to either. No, exactly. You want them to be swinging, the, swinging it around like a sword. Yeah, 100%. Otherwise, the game goes nowhere sometimes with those tail enders. So yeah, it's better that they try and score some runs. Brilliant. Well, it wouldn't be summer without a bit of tennis. And there's plenty about at the moment. Of course, our own uh, ASB Classic is firing up very shortly, as well as the Australian Open. And jo- to joining us, rather, to talk about all things tennis is Brett Phillips out of Australia. G'day, Brett. How are you getting on this morning? Uh, good morning, uh, gentlemen. Uh, going uh, very nicely. Blue skies in Melbourne. Uh, the summer of tennis, yeah, well, has officially started, even though we haven't ticked into uh, 2023 with this new uh, United Cup, which uh, launched uh, yesterday across Sydney, uh, Brisbane and Perth. So, yeah, the players are here. Uh, Adelaide, a couple of big weeks. You mentioned in your neck of the woods, a couple of really big weeks in uh, Auckland. So, yeah, all uh, leading up to the Australian Open in a couple of weeks. Let's start with the United Cup. Um, For those of us who haven't been watching and would like to know a little bit more, how's it working across three different cities and and what's the format entail? Yeah, I suppose just a little bit of background. Obviously, we had, uh, you know, the Hopman Cup for about, what, 30 years. Mm. Uh, Paul McNamee was a founder of that out of Perth. And it was one of those rare opportunities where the men and the women actually, uh, you know, came together and, and played in that mixed uh, format. The Hopman Cup uh, went by the wayside, although it is coming back uh, in 2023, not under the Tennis Australia banner, but it was replaced by the ATP Cup uh, three years ago for the men. So in that, um, you know, once again, team format, but... Uh, unlike the Hopman, it was significant uh, prize money and also rankings points were actually attached. If it hadn't have been for COVID, they would have brought the women into play uh, going back two years ago. So, you know, this is this is all about trying to bring the men's and the women's game closer. There's been talk of the ATP and the WTA potentially merging for two or three years and becoming one entity. This is maybe a step. And look, I, I didn't mind it yesterday so you've got 18 nations Hmm. uh obviously the teams uh, are selected based on the singles ranking of uh, the the top male uh, top female and it's you know it's basically best of five in in different groups you've got three uh, nations in each group so australia uh, were playing great britain last night they're in the same group as spain there are four singles matches and then you know uh, potentially deciding mixed doubles to um you know decide the tie and then obviously the Final four teams out of the 18 will be in the semi-finals in in Sydney. So, yeah, the ATP Cup was launched across the three cities. Obviously, COVID sort of condensed it to Melbourne and Sydney the last two years. But it's great to have some tennis back in Perth who who love their tennis and they're still uh, miffed that the Hopman Cup's not around. And, and great to have some tennis back in Brisbane, which is you know, got a terrific facility there at the Pat Rafter Arena. So, yeah, Australia not off to a great start last night. But, I mean... Look, some of the teams aren't great on paper, uh, but I don't mind it. It's sort of putting some players on a stage that they've never been before, which is great, and that can bring out the best of them, and it shows the margins in tennis can be pretty small. But, you know, a guy like Stefano Tsitsipas, the world number four in Perth yesterday, was uh, brilliant in, in beating the former world number three, Grigor Dimitrov. That was a quality match uh, just to get a bit of rust out to start the season. 
Brett, you must get sick of talking about Kyrgios, <laughs> particularly at Never. this time of year. <laughs> particularly at this time of year, right? Eh? Uh, look, mate, he's, uh, is there anything, is this just a bit of smoke, um, him pulling out of this tournament? Uh, Leighton Hewitt seems to like to stick the boot in every opportunity he gets. Oh yes, I'm never sick of talking about uh, about Nick. I know. Look, it's the, it's the cycle that um, just uh, keeps you know keeps on giving. To be totally honest, I've had you know ten years of covering uh, Nick, and look, you've got to call it as you see it. And uh, look, he played some great tennis in 2022. There's no doubt. Uh, but he is a man to his own uh, self. He goes by the beat of his own drum. You know, he's really not embraced uh, playing. Uh, you know, as part of the Australian teams, the last uh, three years he hasn't played Davis Cup, so I think we're, you know, and this is this is Leighton's, you know, bread and butter. I mean, he bled for Australia, so he can't, he can't get his head around anyone who doesn't want to put on the green and gold. So he didn't play Davis Cup when we could have won it. Um, you know, back in late November, goes and plays uh, a couple of exhibitions over in uh, the Middle East, where he pocketed a nice little sum, um, rolled the ankle. Came back to Sydney, trained, didn't think he was 100%. But I think uh, certainly where Leighton was miffed last night in, in talking to the media here was the lack of communication. Uh, when, you, when you're part of a team environment, uh, you're affecting others. So Jason Kubler, who was the alternate singles player, is thinking he's probably not playing this week. And all of a sudden, OK, I've got to get into match mode and, and get my head around that. So, yeah, I'd look, you know, Nick... Uh, the relationship with Hewitt, the relationship with Tennis Australia, I think, um, is not the absolute best. Uh, it's an interesting one with the Australian players because they actually spend not a lot of time here in Australia to be embraced. Uh, I mean, they're on the road for 10, 11 months. We only get a small window here to really embrace and get behind them. But, look, there'll be people who will be flocking to Kyrgios's matches wherever he goes. Um, but he... Um, finds a way to get into the headlines, that's for sure. Yeah, do you think that that would impact his selection going forward? I mean, you can't have people pulling out on the on the no. eve of the tournament, can you? No, no, not at all. I mean, this is the dilemma for uh, for Leighton Hewitt. And, you know, I've, I've questioned the last few years, well, what is the exact relationship between these two? Because if you watched how Leighton went about his career and how Nick goes about his career... Um, I can't. I, I could never see those two being totally uh, on song. But at the end of the day, Leighton Hewitt's job is to win, you know, the Davis Cup in particular, which he's so affiliated with. So he wants to pick his best team. And pound for pound, as we know, he's, he's our best player. Uh, but you've got to sort of, you know, uh, deal with the baggage around that as well. But I think if you start pulling out uh, more often than not, uh, there'll probably be a line put through. But this is the thing, you know, you want to win, you want your best, and sometimes probably wrongly um you know rules are uh you know, made exceptions of you know with with great players yeah just looking a bit closer to us in fact we're on the very same road that the asb classic will be played on um and not to the not too distant future a tremendous field particularly on the women's side of the draw um some some superstars of the game how is the asb classic here in new zealand viewed on the circuit like where, where does it sit in the hierarchy and how do players sort of use that tournament well, I think yeah, look, it is great to great to have it back. I mean, it's been it's been a long, uh, long time tournament on the men's and the women's side, back to back. I love the little boutique setting there in mm. in Auckland. The fans are right on top of the action, and you know, at this stage of the year, when the players are coming off, uh, well, the women have a, a longer break. Uh, the men not so much. It's such a short off season, but they need to get matches under their belt to lead into the Australian Open, and particularly for those 
you know, down the pecking order a little bit. I mean, just to win any title is significant. There are players who go through their whole career not winning an mm. ATP or a WTA singles title, so they cherish those. And, you know, from here onwards, uh, the players want to be absolutely cherry right for Melbourne, so you want to be going as, you know, as deep as you can into some of these tournaments. So every stop on the tour is, is really, really important uh, for the players. And there are players who will never, ever reach the top echelon of the Grand Slam, so they... They just want to win every tour event that's going around. And you'll notice whoever lifts the trophies this year, you'll see what it means to them. Someone who snuck back into the country um, with not to, as much media around them as he was last year is, is Djokovic. Um, yeah. You know, it's kind of just gone and been a bit hush-hush, hasn't it? Yeah, he's flown right under the radar. It's a complete contrast, I've got to say, to all the hellabaloo uh, last year and the fiasco around, um, around Novak. But look, he has slipped in. We believe he's probably going to talk to the media uh, today here in Australia just to give some sort of um, uh, comment as to how he's uh, seen his arrival back here and the reception that he might get. I mean, he wants to get on with just playing tennis. He was out practising in Adelaide for a good couple of hours in the hot sun yesterday. He looks cherry ripe physically. Uh, he's looking to play a full calendar in 2023. I still think of him really as the world number one. Um, nine-time champion at Melbourne Park. I mean, he's played his best tennis in Melbourne. So, the fan reception will be interesting. I'm sure there'll be a pocket. But this has sort of gone with Djokovic, regardless of COVID. He's never warmed everyone in mm. his corner mm. uh, wherever he's gone around the globe. But he has such a fanatical Serbian uh, base who often uh, drown out those who mightn't uh, like uh, Novak. But, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll hear from him later today. And he'll play Adelaide, which is a, yeah, a huge draw card for uh, uh, a tournament that is growing and growing. Well, Brett, we greatly appreciate your uh, your time on the show this morning. Uh, appreciate that it's a very busy time. Do you, do you get a break at all over the Christmas, New Year's period? No, no, not <laughs> at all. No, well, tennis doesn't afford you any break. This is the uh, issue. I love covering the sport, but there is <laughs> there's very little downtime. But, hey, just before I go, mm. I, our first serve uh, tennis show, uh, from my understanding, is going to make its debut on SENZ. Uh, through 2023 every Monday night for uh, a couple of hours. So for those who love their tennis, uh, yeah, look forward to bringing that uh, right across uh, the North and South Island uh, on the SENZ. So we've been going about 15 years covering the world of tennis and we're going to uh, have a New Zealand audience, which is going to be great. Well, we look forward to listening to it as well. As I mentioned, thanks very much for your time this morning, Brett Phillips. Um, you can catch him on First Serve from 2023 onwards. Enjoy. Enjoy the rest of your, uh, your summer. Thank you, guys. Talk soon. Brilliant as always to talk to him, Mitch, isn't it? Doesn't he just, um, he's tremendous. He knows everything about tennis. Wealth of knowledge, eh? Oh. Makes, makes our job easy. Oh, does it what? Um, that's why we get the experts on, because uh, we are not. Um, but uh, it's been a great show thus far. We're going to take a quick air break. We'll be right back.